afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. It is Thursday. It's October the 14th, 2000. And 21, it's another Technical Alpha Podcast. Glad that you could all join us today. If you're here watching us live on Twitch, welcome. If it's your first time, double the welcome. Uh, we talk about video games, movies, and TV, and all sorts of nonsense that might spin off while discussing movies, TV, and all that nonsense. Got another great show lined up for you today. And so, before we kick it off, let's ask the most important question of the week. Mr. Black, how's your week? Uh, jeez, man. I don't, I, it just kind of flew by. I, it's just been another regular ass, regular week. You blinked and it was over. That's it. And somewhere in there, you decided to get a baby face. Oh, yeah. You know, <laughs> I, uh, I here, funny thing is, is I had a meeting yesterday and uh, my face was a mess and uh, I had the wrong guard on my um oh it was a shaving catastrophe yeah and when I went zzz, I was like oh oh shit because uh, I was in a rush like I was trying to get it done like super fast and I my uh my wife actually buzzed uh, or I shouldn't say my wife, uh, Kayla, since everybody knows who she is. Kayla, <laughs> You're protecting Kayla buzzed, her name. <laughs> yeah, Kayla, Kayla buzzed Kai's hair, and she changed the guard. Um, oh. Normally, nobody ever uses my clippers, right? So, like, it's the same shit. I don't, you know, I don't really, and they, I didn't think, and they all kind of looked the same. And so when I shaved, I was like, ooh, okay. And then I, I had to shave the whole thing, and then I come out of the bathroom, and Kayla's like, ooh, I don't like it. I'm like, well... <laughs> You know, it'll grow back pretty quick. <laughs> what happened it there? Yeah. yeah, I dude, I have like, it's never happened to me, but yet I still manage to get PTSD whenever I go into like, uh, not when I like, so with my clippers, I obviously nobody else in the house is using my clippers. So that's, that's easy enough for me. But when I'm done clipping my beard all like to the same length or whatever, you still, I still get like fucking... You know, the scraggly shit, and so I've got a, a small uh, shaper that has no guard. That you're just mm -hmm. free, you're freehanding that shit. Mm. And every time I look in the mirror and I get in to start, I'm like, is this the day? Is this the day that I just, like, I sneeze or get an itch and I, like, fucking spaz and it's just like, <laughs> and the whole beard is just fucked? Yeah. It's like a my worst nightmare, because I don't even, I don't want to fucking know what I look like underneath this beard Dude, anymore. I haven't been this shaven in it's been a very long time very years it's actually yes. been years so uh it feels weird um yeah it'll grow back quick i say this time like next thursday it'll you know you'll be probably, back to back to back some back semblance to of some, normal yeah yeah it's all right mm. oh um my week was another week except for the fact that i turned 33 yesterday mm. crested that i'm uh, proud to say that despite losing almost the majority of my hair, I still had enough to look in the mirror and say, you know what, 33, but you're not bald yet. That was basically my day. I woke up, I stayed in bed a little longer than usual, relaxed, wasn't in a rush, uh, made breakfast, uh, relaxed some more on the couch, mm. didn't do dick, just on the couch, doing absolutely nothing, and it was glorious. And then um, M actually wrote her beginner's driver test yesterday. Oh, to get her wow. beginner's license. Wow. And so she wrote that and passed it, thank fucking God. Uh, and so that's done, that hurdle's over. Now we'll look for a driving school and all that and all that uh, stuff. Uh, but uh, that happened while she was gone. 
uh, I, um, I, uh, I had my, one of my favorite dinners, which is leftover, uh, Thanksgiving, where we put everything in a casserole dish, uh, afterwards, all the, in layers, with the potato on top, and then butter, and you bake that shit the next day, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, so we had that, which is, like, one of my favorite things ever, and then followed it up with, of course, mom's cake. It was a 10 out of 10 day. And with that, I had beer. I, it was a beer and my favorite meal and cake and laid around and didn't do too much. And then I streamed uh, for a bit. We, and I didn't do anything fancy. Played some Monopoly uh, or the, the War Council Memopoly board uh, with, uh, with uh, Fox and Shady and, and Major and, and Zero. And then we played just some golf with your friends, that mini golf game. Mm. Uh, afterwards, so just a nice relaxing day. Nothing, nothing fancy. Watch some Netflix afterwards at night. Watch that uh, that Dave Chappelle special that the entire internet has fucking exploded over. And I was like, well, I better watch it before Netflix removes that shit. So I got yeah. on. <laughs> I know they're not going. I know they're not going to. But that, like, yeah. but I watched it last night anyway. And so uh, watch that and and then uh, off to bed. So that was it. Other than that, uh, the rest of the week has just been kind of. Um, the same old same as well nothing nothing particularly fancy got the review up for um the forgotten city and uh now i've got to figure out what i'm gonna do next i don't know if i want to like go and buy metroid dread even though i wanted to before i'm just i'm looking at and i swear to god man game pass has ruined me every time i look at a new game to review and it's like 90 dollars after tax i'm like dude is there something on Game Pass I could review by any chance? Like, is there something that just came out that I could maybe do for zero dollars instead of ninety dollars? Uh, but uh, yeah, I'll figure that out. And otherwise, that's been it. Uh, we finally hit true fall weather today after several days of extended July weather. Yeah, it's like uh, summer, <laughs> legit summer weather. Legit summer uh, weather the last couple of days, uh, and enjoyed that. I went. I did. Uh, uh, Em and I did get out to walk a little bit. I took some pictures, um, and uh, so that was nice. But now today, finally, it's that dreary, rainy October weather that uh, that we're used to. Still warm, way warmer yeah. than normal, but yeah, closer to the weather that we're used to. But Mr. Uh, Mr. Black, how about we talk about some video games? Sure. Or video game-related things. Uh, first up, and that's why I said related things, YouTube has officially given up on the YouTube Rewind, Mr. Black. About time. I would say it was a good run, but it wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've, uh, I, the YouTube Rewind was more of a reason for basically the entirety of the creator space to shit on YouTube's ability to understand itself every single year. And without fail, they fucked that up every single year. It was quite impressive. And, with, and of course, the peak of it was, was the Will Smith... They turned into a meme where it's like Will Smith, they got Will, Will Smith to show up and he like used the fucking binocular things to look up and then there's like the bus in the sky and like half the creators in, in this thing, nobody even knew existed. They didn't do anything particularly special. They didn't dictate like the the year for YouTube in any way, shape or form, but it was just YouTube being YouTube and uh, I guess they gave up. They got tired of being flogged every year and so they passed that, uh, they passed that on and said, you know what? Fuck it. And you know what? I bet you there will be a couple creators that do their own rewind now instead of oh, YouTube's. Probably. Oh yeah, uh, and uh, and they'll probably be done better if I had to take a wild guess. But uh, so long, YouTube rewind. It uh, I won't miss you. 
Neither will anyone else. Despite the great news for uh, Avengers, that's the game, not the, not the movie franchise, becoming one of the top Game Pass titles this week. So when it launched on Game Pass, it rocketed up to the top, uh, thus proving that a lot of people won't go near a game unless it's free, or perceived free. Uh, the Avengers being the, the latest example of this. They've sort of gone and fucked it up anyway. So they said that they would never go down the route of, you know, the whole microtransactions and pay-to-win and all that nonsense. And then they had this recent uh, patch or balance patch that uh, was supposed to tackle this whole concept of people feeling overwhelmed with uh, the grind or whatnot, the, uh, you know, the experience grind and everything. And then ironically, it made all of that worse. Uh, where, you know, people were saying that it now is worse and it feels even harder to progress, uh, consistently, etc., etc. And then, of course, their solution was to then fill the cash shop full of experience boosters and character point boosters and other pay-to-win items to make up for that grind that they've now instituted. Mm. They did the classic, there's no problems, so we're going to create a problem, and then we're going to create a solution for it. And that's, that solution is, you can pay us money. Seems like a pretty good solution. Lots of people do that shit. It's not been the first time, won't be the last, but uh, I suspect uh, as fast as Avengers became one of the top Game Pass games, it is going to almost just as quickly no longer become one of the most played Game Pass games. They didn't even get a few days in that uh, in that spot before it all went away. But I don't know. Uh, for now, obviously, lots of people not particularly pleased with that outcome. Uh, Kotaku walked an interesting line this week, Mr. Black, when they ran an article that low-key promoted the use of an emulator to run Metroid Dread on the PC. So, the Nintendo Switch, because, let's be honest, it's about as powerful as my four-year-old cell phone, uh, is not the hardest thing in the world to emulate. And there's already an emulator, and it's been around for a while now, that uh, does a pretty damn good job of emulating most of the Switch games that anyone would give a fuck about emulating. Uh, and that means that you can upscale uh, to 4K, and you're getting 60 FPS instead of 6. Uh, and, uh, and, and in general, obviously, a much better gaming experience where you're getting the same game, it's just that you're getting a better visual uh, experience along with that. Um, I don't think Kotaku intended to seemingly promote the emulation of a brand new Metroid game, However, that is unfortunately how it reads when you read that headline and subsequently most of the article. Despite that, of course, like any other time something happens in the emulation space, this kicked up a big discussion about the validity of, of emulating and what it really should be used for and what it shouldn't be used for and the illegality of it and all that other nonsense. And at the end of the day, and we've talked loosely about our thoughts on emulation, I think we both stand in the same, uh, the same place for this, is that... Um, the actual act of emulating something is not illegal so long as you own the property that you're emulating. Yeah. So if you go out and buy Metroid Dread and you're like, this would be, this is dope, but man, would it ever be more dope if I played it on my PC at 4K and 60 FPS? Yeah. That's fine. I mean, I, mean, I look at it, I look at it like if you want to go ahead and buy, you know, the Dark Knight on Blu-ray and you want to hook it up to a $50,000 home theater system to experience it in all its glory. Mm, exactly. Go ahead and do go ahead and do that. I mean, you paid for the content and however you want to uh 
optimize that content for your viewing pleasure or playing experience as long as you've legally paid for it what is the problem yeah and i think that's the general consensus on it i think the gray area becomes when people are and the biggest discussion point is around emulating games that you don't own but maybe are harder to get your hands on like they there's not very many copies in the wild anymore like some of the really old games um that people might be collecting for example because they're so rare things of that nature and then they talk and then of course the talk becomes about the preservation of games because a lot of the companies that have made them in the past or whatnot they don't have a viable means of uh actually preserving the roms themselves or they like nintendo has literally now several times ironically taken roms off of rom sites to use for themselves because they themselves did not keep copies of their own old games in storage for them to be able to pull their own ROMs. Um, so there's like that discussion as well. Obviously, the emulating a game that you don't own or isn't at least, uh, this is just my opinion, or isn't at least to the reasonable person uh, something that you can get your hands on and purchase. You know, if you go to eBay and there's a game that you want and that game is so rare that it's $400 to buy the game, I could maybe understand just yep. emulating the fucking game. But if you go on eBay and that game is like $23, just buy the fucking buy the game. game. <laughs> buy the fucking game. Buy the game. Just buy just buy the game. It's not that hard to get your hands on it. Just buy the game. Um but yeah, there you go. But to Kotaku, you know, of all the reasons to attack a, a Kotaku of which there are many. Uh this is probably pretty low on the totem pole uh for uh, for reasons and uh and so yeah I wouldn't I wouldn't look too far into that. I don't think the writer was intentionally trying to promote emulating no. this illegally. Uh so much as just saying that hey, it's pretty neat. It's just come out and it runs at 4K on a computer. Cuz you know what? It probably looks pretty fucking dope at 4K on a computer. <laughs> or at least a lot better than on a Switch. That's for sure. <clears throat> Uh, speaking of Nintendo, Nintendo has thankfully corrected the issues with its upcoming N64 releases uh, by providing 60 hertz for all titles, With and this is more for Europe. We talked about this uh, was last week or the week before, where we talked about their releasing of the um, uh, their upgraded service for their online, where they had the N64 games and the Sega games, and then for the European releases, uh, or the European people that had the service, they were providing them the PAL versions that were like 50 hertz and all the issues that came with that, even though at this point all of that shit that existed back then was completely superfluous and nobody wants it anymore. So Nintendo said, okay, fine. We'll give you, we'll give everyone the 60 hertz thing and then for certain PAL releases and whatnot, we'll allow it to be an option if you want it to play it like that. And I think that is a far more reasonable approach than, than just hamstringing the entire European market with shitty PAL ports of, of your old games. So, uh, Nintendo, thankfully, uh, correcting that, uh, uh, that, I'll call it an error, I suppose. Uh, Best Buy. Oh, this is, a, this is, I can't, <clears throat> this, uh, it's not that it's spicy, but it is, it is, um, certainly interesting. This is probably one of the most interesting pieces of news this week. Best Buy has rolled out in the U.S. anyway. I don't think there's anything in this in Canada yet, but I think it just went nationally in the U.S., a new program called Total Tech, all one word for reasons that I'll never be able to tell you. Total Tech, for $200 a year, it's the U.S., $200 a year, 
that seemingly has exclusive stock for members of this program for big-ticket items, like PlayStation 5s, for example. So, this service comes with 24-7 tech support, two years of protection on Best Buy purchases, which includes Apple Plus Care Insurance, which should be noted on its own, is nearly $200 for the year. So you're... This is ignoring the, the, the part that's a clickbaity title-worthy situation. I mean, this is not a program to sneeze at just for having that alone, especially if you're somebody that uses Apple products and are buying them through Best Buy. I mean, that's a pretty good... That's a pretty good incentive right there. And, of course, member discount prices. This is kind of just like Best Buy's own version of Amazon Prime, really, uh, for all intents and purposes. Just slightly different uh, membership benefits than, than Prime would come with. However, like I just mentioned as well, uh, there seems to be uh, exclusive stock list you know, for uh, members uh, for certain items. Uh, and chiefly the one that uh, that was discovered first, of course, because everyone wants one, is a PlayStation 5. Um, the exclusive stock thing, like the that, in, that option or that part of the pra- package, isn't listed anywhere that people could find readily. So it's not a perk that they've listed anywhere. However, um, despite that, they, they did send out and put up member exclu- a member-exclusive portal for that, for PlayStation 5s. And the stock, of course, because it's limited so heavily, uh, lasted for nearly two hours instead of a whopping 23 seconds. And so uh, that is a substantially larger window for people hoping to get their hands on items that scalpers have been increasingly... Uh, getting your hands on, like last week we discussed, uh, also Best Buy, when they announced the restock of play, of um, graphics cards last week, uh, that uh, there were 72 people lined out of one Best Buy, and 70 of them said they're resellers, and two of them weren't. So, um, this is obviously, uh, even if they're not uh, announcing it as part of the thing, this would seemingly be a way for Best Buy to do two things. One allow people that want to, uh, or are frequent shoppers at Best Buy to obviously get a fair amount of value out of the program itself. But two, is to take some of the power away from the rampant scalping that happens while also getting money themselves. Because they don't get any of the money when scalpers go out and sell the thing for three times the cost. But if scalpers want to spend the extra money to be part of this program to get their hands on the exclusive stock and then go ahead, they at least get some extra money out of it. And they also get extra money out of the people that are hoping uh, to have uh, a better chance of getting their hands on those same items that are so frequently scalped or, or bought by bots and other, and other methods. Um, but it is interesting that it wasn't really listed anywhere that people readily found uh, as, a, as a perk. So what are your feelings on uh, on that? Just not just that part, but what do you what do you feel about that? If that came to Canada, I mean that's a two hundred U.S. Of shit. That's a two hundred and seventy nine dollar bill minimum in Canada. Uh, maybe maybe even more. Maybe even two ninety nine in Canada. Uh, but uh, yeah, somebody that uses Apple products, I don't know if you run their insurance or anything like that. Um, but uh, some people do. What do you what do you feel about this uh, this total tech? Mr. Um, I mean, I think the name is fucking stupid. It's pretty um, bad. I'm surprised they didn't pair it up with like their, you know, um, 
their tech care thing that they do there. The Geek Squad stuff. I think that that it Um, might may or may not be the part of the 24-7 tech support thing, but they don't really delineate or or, or explain all that much about what that 24-7 tech support entails. Yeah. But maybe it does. I, I, um... I'm not against this. I mean, I think this is perfectly fine. Um, you know, you can opt in or opt to not go in. Yeah. Uh, it's not really hurting anybody. You can make the argument, well, you know, now they're going to hold supply for the ones that are paying, and then the public is the ones that's going to suffer. But let's be real. If there's anything that is of major value, this actually probably helps the public out a little bit more. Um, for the ones that are like really into the tech and stuff like this isn't likely going to be for everyday people. I think they may upsell everyday people on this that are frequent buyers of Apple products. So they might say, Hey, you know, the Apple carer is going to cost you a hundred bucks or 200 bucks. Why not just get this total tech membership thing? You get the best of both worlds. It's another upselling feature. Um, and then, you know, if, the latest and greatest tech comes out, you have first dibs at that stuff. So um I'm not against it at all. I think it's I think it's a smart play from Best Buy. Um and I'm sure that they've ran the numbers. So I'm sure like yeah, there's gonna be people that are gonna really benefit from this, but it's probably costing Best Buy no money at all. Just they're they they're getting the same amount of stuff and they're making more money. So, I don't have a gripe. No, I don't think there's anything to really gripe about here, because really, whether you, whether you, you know, I don't think the majority of people paying for this service are going to be doing it specifically for exclusive, because I really, I mean, other than PlayStation 5, Xbox Series X, and graphics cards. Well, the scalpers are, like, are going to pay. The scalpers are going to pay. Yeah, right? they'll, like, they'll, it, if they know they're going to, if they're going to, if they know they're going to two or three X their money. Oh, yeah, easy. Then they're obviously going to pay $200 a year to get access to to stuff like this. And in fact, they might even open up multiple accounts, accounts under yeah. different names um, specifically for that purpose. But at the very least, it means that Best Buy is extracting more cut. value out of scalpers, yep. while also the people that aren't scalpers getting into this do objectively get some semblance of a better shot at obtaining these items while also getting more benefits. Like you said, they're largely uh, likely going to be upselling people on the two things, uh, Apple and the tech support. And that will be, I suspect, the two major upsells uh, for people. And there's a lot of people that do because Best Buy expands as a company. I mean, sometimes people, I think, forget just how many things Best Buy sells. I mean, Best Buy sells a lot of shit. Best Buy's out there selling fucking appliances and shit. I mean, they've got a lot of stuff. They have a they have a marketplace that exp- extends well beyond Best Buy's own stock. Yep. And is similar to Amazon's marketplace in that regard, where you might be buying something through Best Buy and it's on their marketplace, but it's not coming from Best Buy. It's coming from another another shop that has set up on Best Buy's marketplace. And it's been one of the ways in which Best Buy has kind of expanded its uh, you know, itself beyond just tech. Uh, to keep itself alive and uh, and thriving as a company, and so having a service like this for people that that frequently shop at Best Buy is probably not going to be the hardest thing to sell um, uh, for uh, for specific customers that they're targeting. Like you said, 
They're unlike they're not losing money on this more than anything. They're they're just using this to extract that extra couple of dollars out of those who uh, either really want it or the scalpers who uh, who want an even easier time theoretically an even easier time to get their hands on some of these uh, products. Which, judging by the supply chain in the world right now, looks like that shit's going to be running for at least another two years. So uh, Best Buy getting theirs. But there you go. Best Buy's new thing. That's And again, that's only, to my knowledge, nationally in the U.S. I don't think they've expanded that anywhere else, but uh, I'm sure they will be considering other markets uh, as well with that. Especially, I'm, I'm sure Canada uh, would be a, a market they'd be considering in the future. Uh, next up, Call of Duty Warzone and the upcoming Vanguard, Call of Duty Vanguard, had their anti-cheat outline finally. So they teased this on social media a few days ago, and then uh, and they were, they did like this really cheesy, you know, hackers beware, it all ends this week. And then they put their announcement up and they're like, Hey, here's our anti-cheat. So, uh, the anti-cheat is called Ricochet, which is a very fancy name for an anti uh, anti-cheat. Personally, I would have gone with, uh, Total Tech for my anti-cheat name. I think that would have been far better than Ricochet. Uh, it's a kernel-level anti-cheat similar to Valorant's, and the reason why that it's, uh, kernel-level and why you're likely to see more and more kernel-level shit in the future is because a lot of these, um, hackers are running shit that requires kernel-level access to even detect in the first place. So your two options are kernel-level or get fucked. Uh, so they're similar to Valorant's in that regard. However, they did go very much out of their way to state two things. One... Even though it is kernel level, it only runs or operates when it detects one of these two games running on your PC. And if they're not running on the PC, it's not running. The second thing that they uh, said specifically, and you'd have to probably, I, and I, I'm sure somebody will go through a user agreement and make sure that this is legally, they're not trying to cover their ass in some other, excuse me, some other way, but they also said that it is only analyzing data through the PC at the kernel level that is related to Call of Duty and not anything else. Because when people, you know, with kernel level is essentially is that this thing is placing itself between your processor and the and the software itself, and it's inspecting, unless it's limited like they're saying theirs is, everything that your CPU is doing to and from the software. And so uh, that's why security, you know, people were like worried about security stuff with Valorant's kernel level and and all this other shit. Uh, however, it, they're saying that this is not, you know, their pri your, your privacy is paramount, etc., etc., etc. So there you go. That's that's going to drop. It's not out yet. Uh, that is coming, I think, later in the month, or it will launch alongside Vanguard or something along those lines. Uh, but that should severely dismantle a lot of the hacking happening across the Call of Duty uh, Warzone and, and uh, certainly the would-be hacking in Vanguard as well. That should get rid of a shitload of it. Um, the vast majority, anyway. Which is great, because really, there does get to a point where you you play like three or four games in a row, and you're coming across hackers in every game, and then you just start to like... It's one thing to get your ass kicked, it's another thing to be, you know, getting your ass kicked multiple games in a row by somebody that's just hacking, and that's just bothersome. And the developer doesn't want that, the player base doesn't want that, and... Um, it took them a while to get here, but it's here. Finally here. We'll see how well it works. I will be, I will be interested to see if they release numbers on how many it catches in, let's say, the first, like, week 
or some shit. <laughs> like how many hackers this thing actually picks up. Uh, but uh, but yeah, there you go. Uh, Battlefield 2042. Uh, it's the last major mode called Hazard Zone. This was just announced today, Mr. Black. Mm. Hazard Zone was announced today and is a PvPVE style mode that takes cues from the uh, from like Escape from Tarkov and a Hunt Showdown. It seems I have a, a link here so that I can give you a better rundown because I uh, it's a little more complicated than I could memorize. Uh, but if you've played Tarkov or you know about Tarkov, then a lot of this is going to sound a little bit familiar to you, uh, and uh, and I think is probably going to be their biggest argument for having specialists instead of having um, individual classes like they did in old Battlefield. But that's another part of this topic that we're going to get to after this. So, uh, let's see where... Uh, okay, so unlike the Battle Royale, the, this comes from PC Gamer, by the way. Unlike Battle Royale, the goal of Hazard Zone is not to kill, but to extract out the Hazard Zone, uh, extract out of the Hazard Zone alive with as many data drives as possible. Players have, uh, have to buy guns and choose specialists before a match using in-game dark market credits earned through play. That's similar to Tarkov, where whatever you get out with is what you use for subsequent uh, runs. If the setup sounds familiar, Hazard Zone seems to take inspiration from raiding games like Hunt Showdown and Escape from Tarkov. Like both of those games, Hazard Zone players risk losing gear permanently if they're eliminated before extracting from the map at designated exfiltration zones. On PC, PS5, and Xbox Series S and X, Hazard Zone will support up to 32 players, uh, so that's 8 squads in total. And PS4 and Xbox One will be capped at 24 players, or 6 squads. Hazard Zone will support all 7 launch maps that will also be present in Standard Conquest mode. In addition to weapons, players can use Dark Market credits to, uh, on perks for their next run. And then they have a list here on PC Gamer... Uh, of perks that uh, that it, EA included in its briefing for this, and it's just stuff like, you know, more starting armor, um, and uh, and other things similar to that, like quick draw, with switch weapons faster, etc., etc. Um, yeah, so that's that's what this last mode is. It's the last of the major modes that they're announcing for four twenty forty two at launch. Um, then the discourse continued around this game this week after the continued beta about the whole concept of them having removed classes. So you'll remember back when we used to play a shitload of uh, Battlefield, there were classes for everything. You had your medics, you had your engineers, etc., etc. Uh, so in this, they got rid of all that shit. They said, fuck that. Let's be like everyone else and just have specialists so that we can push a battle pass. And so they did. And, uh, everyone hates it. And by everyone, I mean the vast vast majority of people can't stand it because it really doesn't make that much sense in the context of even the battle royale form of battlefield um and it definitely makes it feel like it's no longer battlefield anymore is what people say it just doesn't even feel like they're playing battlefield at that point because it was one of the defining features uh of battlefield and so when this was announced today some of that uh discussion shifted a bit to saying uh, you know what? While we would prefer to have classes in the Battle Royale mode that are like classic Battlefield, it does, uh, or specialists do lend themselves to a mode like this. This, this, uh, uh, what was it called? Fucking Highway to the Danger Zone? 
already missed hazard zone. So it lends itself to hazard zone having specialists instead of classes. And so people were 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 saying that they would be okay with that, but they would like to have a uh, have those two things separated. Coincidentally, EA sent out a um, a uh, 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 what am I fucking? Uh, my brain is just toasted today. I slept too much apparently on my birthday. They sent out a uh, uh, survey. Is the word my brain refused to conjure up? Sent out a survey for uh, for the game in the beta, asking a lot of questions, obviously, but specifically in there included how people felt about the loss of the class system. And so, uh, yeah, so that's uh, that's likely to be what a lot of people are going to say. is either A, they want the classes back, or B, they want classes in the standard modes and specialists in this uh, this hazard zone. Did you play, uh, did you ever, uh, Tarkov was a, was a game streamed a lot for quite some time by everyone. Did you ever try Tarkov back in the day? A, when it I was... played a little, I played a little bit of it, but it's not my... Yeah, it wasn't my thing. It's not my thing. It's not my thing, bro. Battlefield. Uh, Battlefield sounds like a hot fucking steaming pile of dog shit. <laughs> All right. It's painful to even sit here and talk about this game again for another 15, <laughs> 20 minutes. And this game is going to be dead on arrival. You know, they want to take these fucking surveys and shit. The survey says your game's dead on arrival. <laughs> All right. You, you, this is the wrong time to ask if people want their classes back. It's too late. <laughs> made, you made a decision this just goes to show they're panicking they don't know what the fuck to do they realized their standard battlefield is dog shit and not many people like it and it's getting criticized up the ass and it costs $90 to play and there's no campaign and the shooting feels like dog shit graphically it's not even all that impressive either it just looks so bland. They also held on dearly to that green filter for some reason. Did you notice I don't that? Know. I noticed that. And the other thing is, is, is it just sounds like they're using buzzwords of games that people actually care about. And they're like, oh, hey, you know that game Tarkov that you guys really love? Well, we're just going to throw it in Battlefield now. Since you think our main game is dog shit. I mean, it just sounds bad, man. It just sounds bad. It just sounds bad. It's just, it's bad. They're not going to do it as good as Tarkov. I'm sorry. So the ones that are going to play, the ones that are going to go in and play this game that are interested in this, for one, it's going to be hard to get them to spend $80, $90 for this game or fucking 70 bucks in the U.S. That's going to get them hard. I mean, it's, it's, it's going to be tough. And on top of that, they're going to know it's going to be nowhere near as good as Tarkov. This, this mode feels like an afterthought. This feels like they in the they in the the end here. They need some kind of good news to get people hyped about something, and this is what they're using. Oh, you know that game you really like, Tarkov? We got that in this game. You know what's interesting is that they saved this to be the last mode announced, which tells you like because they didn't show off like a bunch of gameplay and shit. They just had a trailer for it, right? It tells you that to them, they thought this was like the finishing move. This no. was the big. This was the big special attack that came in, and it was flashy, uh, and 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 it was going to get the high, the crowd hyped up, and oh my god, what an what an amazing end! And then yeah. on the uh, uh, you know on the on the other side, it was like uh, 
yeah, it was just it was just it was just a rough it was a, it's a rough way to fucking yeah, they, go. They, they, Obviously, they, they thought this was going to go over better than it did. Well, I think it would have went over better if their main game was actually good. Like if you know, the main you know, if the main game was good, yes. like the battlefield that we like. Yes. You know, if they came out and they're like, hey, guys, this is the shit you've all been waiting for. And we fucking nailed it. Oh, and by the way, there's a little bow on the top for those that really want to get, you know, extra spicy with it and really want to get ultra competitive and really want to get sweaty over this shit. We got our own version of Tarkov in this game. Oh, and it's in the battlefield world that you guys love. But that's not it. The, the, the thing is, is like nobody's buying Battlefield for this. They're buying Battlefield for Battlefield. This was this is bonus. This is this is the thing that if they played their cards right and made a good game, that this other mode might have been the thing that actually gave it legs. You know what this makes me a little different. It's bad. You know, you know what this feels like? This feels like at some point this was the main mode. Probably. And at some point, they decided to make the call that this wasn't going to be the flagship, but they were going to run the Battle Royale as the flagship mode instead. But this feels like, at some point, this was the the top dog, the top contender. Because the fact that specialists are a thing as well feels more like, even though I just memed earlier about how they put specialists in so that they could have a battle pass, I don't think that's necessarily it, but... They, uh, but it does seem like, it, like this mode, for example, does lend itself more to specialists. And so I feel like the specialists were part and parcel with this mode and this mode was possibly a front runner. And then they just said, man, you know what? Battle Royale has continued to be, uh, the flagship, uh, you know, a first person, third person shooter mode in the space. We need to run that as the the prime real estate for battlefield 2042 and then this other game this other mode this hazard mode now this has got to become this is the kicker this is the special sauce at the end and i still think people are going to really you know i still think people are going to really like it but we're going to run this at the end and you know what it ended up they thought it was going to be like the crowd cheering and everyone popping off yeah you know what this was like this was like that classic one of the my favorite esport moments of all time mr black it was daigo versus justin wong and Justin Wong popped off the Chun-Li fucking special at the end of this match. And it was for all the marbles. And there was no light. Daigo, Daigo was on that one HP dream. And Daigo, like a fucking god, one frame parried every single fucking kick in that special. And then flipped it and finished Justin Wong instead. And it's the, one of the greatest moments in esports, and that's what this whole thing feels like. This feels like they thought that they were being Justin Wong. They were going out, and they pressed the end this shit button, and there was no way that you were going to one-frame fucking counter all of it. This is our big this is our big play, our big money play. And the crowd was cheering and stuff for like two seconds, and then Daigo starts blocking. Because they start realizing, like, you know what? This Maybe this ain't so hot. Why is, is this why the specialist exists? This is bad. Why did that creep over into the main game? Nobody wants that shit. Why is why are you still trying to tell everyone that the beta is like four months old? This game comes out next month. Are you telling me that there was no other recent build Seriously. that you could be launched within three weeks of the fucking release of this game? And you're going <laughs> to lean on that being the reason why your game plays and looks and runs like dog shit? And then you're going to drop hazard 
fucking danger zone as if some sort of like fucking incredible finishing move to the embarrassing run that's been the lead up to this game. And just like that, they got parried into fucking oblivion. And at the end, everyone's cheering for the opponent instead of them. And they're yep. just left there with their dicks in their hands yep, with excuses as to why everything the way it is. And in fact, they came out and talked briefly about the fact that this is why developers aren't as forthcoming and transparent with uh, the player base and why betas are run the way they are because people react poorly. No, bitch. Don't lump everyone in the same fucking boat here. There are people that will bitch about stuff that they shouldn't bitch about because it makes no sense. But let's not pretend like your game that, that your game in its current uh, fucking form is going to be anything other than a disaster at launch if it is not literally five to six times or more efficient at running, better balanced, and almost entirely changed. The fact that, like you said, the fact that they're even asking the question, crazy. Would you guys? Do you guys prefer the class system or the specialists? The fact it's that that's crazy. even a Shouldn't question no. less than a month away or a month and change. Not from, a good sign. That's bad. No, it's real bad. It's the worst, actually. It tells me one thing. If it overwhelmingly came, I want my shit back, and they know the game's not good, they, they have to give them their shit back, which means this game's going to get delayed six more months. Which, by the way, I think the game's going to get delayed again anyway. Oh, and by the way, how do you make a good Battlefield game, a traditional Battlefield game, when you're building multiple modes and you can't even get your flagship right? Like, how how is this going to be successful? It's not even free to play. How is this how is this going to game going to do good? Like, it's hard it's hard to imagine a world where Battlefield actually stands the tests of time against Halo, which actually looks good, and they don't have any side Tarkov fucking modes and all this other shit they have Halo right <laughs> yes and it's free they have Halo okay yes Call yes. of Duty has Call of Duty oh and guess what now they're getting rid of hackers what do you have Battlefield <laughs> are you gonna have hacker problems in a game like Tarkov are you uh, are the game's dead, man. I'm telling you, they're gonna sell a bunch of copies because it's Battlefield, and we all know that they're gonna they're gonna sell some copies. But this game dies within a month. This is this is over for them. They're gonna get outshined by all the other shooters, and what they're gonna have is a fumbled, jumbled fucking mess. And the game is gonna go free to play within six months after the game comes out because they're gonna they have no choice. They'll have absolutely no choice. <sighs> And you know what's and, sad? You know what's really sad though is that Vanguard also fumbled bad in the beta, but it doesn't matter because it's Call of Duty. It's Call of Duty, so it they can't. They matter. can't. So Battlefield doesn't get to rely on Call of Duty falling apart. They, you know, who they could have relied on falling apart? Halo. Yes, but they don't. But they don't get to rely on that. It doesn't like Call of Duty could literally be a, a catastrophic failure. It will still outsell Battlefield at its absolute peak. Battlefield could have come out at its peak in the history of the franchise. And a shit cod is going to outsell it, so it doesn't matter. By multiples. By mul by multiples. Yeah. But they didn't get that, and they 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 fumbled it so fucking hard. We'll like, see. So hard. We'll see. I, listen, I'm sure we're gonna we're gonna talk about Battlefield next week. Oh, uh, the there there will be more after, info. Yeah, oh, yeah. There's gonna be more shit that's gonna come out, and then there's yeah. gonna be a delay, and then we're gonna say I told you so. <laughs> and if and if the game isn't delayed, then it, it's gonna be so disastrous. 
that we're just going to watch this plane crash and it's going to be it's it's going to it's going to be horrible. So Godspeed, Battlefield. Godspeed. I've Until- heard two people, two people tell me that they liked the game. Not I've heard loved, one. I've heard one. Loved, they liked the game. Yeah, I had one. Everyone had else, one. It, it wasn't like, oh, it's okay. It was, that felt bad. <laughs> yeah, that, that was is, not, that was not, not a good, good experience. That is a fucking hot mess. And if you go to consoles, it's even worse. Oh, yeah. Oh, don't even play it there. So, Godspeed. Good luck, Battlefield. You need it. Uh, Eidos, Montreal and Eidos, Sherbrooke have, uh, or are, have or are, I guess it doesn't really matter which way you go with that, officially moving to a four-day, 32-hour work week. Uh, finding efficiencies, this is all, I pulled, like, bits and pieces of this and put together this paragraph based on the release they, that they put out about this. Uh, t- uh, so, uh, finding efficiencies in the scheduling, like, uh, reducing meeting run times, which I think they stated, for example, they're going to take from an hour for all the meetings down to a half an hour, uh, instead, uh, which that by itself would have made a lot of people happy because how many people love going to meetings and sitting there for no fucking reason while it wastes all their work time. Uh, so finding efficiencies in, in things like reducing meeting run times and other avenues to ensure that it isn't about cramming more work into fewer hours so much as promoting healthier and more efficient and focused work in fewer hours to allow for a better work-life balance that should lend to happier, more productive employees as seen in pilot programs for similar work weeks in other areas of the sector and the world. And there have been, uh, in multiple countries now, uh, and in similar sectors and other sectors, Many large companies piloting programs for four-day work weeks to see what it did to uh, productivity, what it did to work efficiency, and what it did to overall uh, employee um, satisfaction and retention, things of that nature, burnout, and all the other factors that you could list. Um, and so they're 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 scared. They're they're saying pilots look good enough to us. We're going in for it. So they're the first in the video game market, at least over here on this side of the pond. I don't think any. Uh, I don't think it's. Uh, happened anywhere else, but uh, it's been discussed in other places. Uh, they're the first one. They're dipping the toes in the water. What do you think, Mr. Black? You got a smirk on your face. What do you think about the four-day, 32-hour work week? I can't wait to hear about the grind. What do we got? Well, I mean, you already know where I'm at, man. <laughs> you, already know, you already know how I'm built, so, you know. But if you get the same output, so if, this, if, this, if, the out, if it's all about making money, and the, and the money at the end is the same, and the quality of the output is the same, but you have employees that aren't burnt out and enjoy themselves more and don't get employee turnover, so you're not replacing people with HR constantly, does it matter, or is it only a case of it matters if we go a four-day work week as 32 hours and suddenly uh, productivity tanks out and, like, the end result is we're making less money, yeah. et cetera, et cetera? I mean, it's, it's, hard. it's, it's, it's hard to quantify um, what exactly is productive, right? Because, like... There needs to be a longer sample size. Um, well, this will be something that we have to wait one to three years yeah, uh, to get like uh, and see see the bottom lines of all yeah. those that that take this dive, right? Yeah, I mean, my guess is is you know you know kudos. Listen, kudos to them. All right. Um. Obviously, their hearts are in the right place. Uh, they're looking out for their employees, which most don't really give a shit. Um, it's know. certainly the antithesis of what we hear about in the video game industry a lot, where it's like, yeah, the it's like crazy. Movie, I mean, the movie, crunch time the, and stuff. The movie industry is going through the same thing right now. Where there's gonna, there, there's potentially gonna be a massive strike. 
It definitely seems uh, like an entertainment industry specific deal. Of where, course, like, it's the, the arts. crunch. Yeah, it's the arts, right? Yeah. This is this is this is what happens when you're an artist, right? The you know the, the you know the, this isn't a this isn't like a blue collar job. This is arts. This is expression. This is um, you just have it harder. Period. Um, in virtually every art there is. Um, that I mean, I'm not going to be a Debbie Downer and say like, oh, you know, these guys are crazy and whatnot. It's their company. It's their business. I mean, if they want to, if they want to do and promote four day, thirty hour, thirty two hour work weeks, all the power to them. We will see. Uh, which I can tell you, the vast majority of gaming uh, de- developers and publishers, they're they're never going to do this ever. Because this is going to absolutely fuck. I don't care what anybody says. Um, this is going to screw up deadlines. 100%. And we will see if this turns out to be, hey, we're promoting four-day, 32-hour work weeks, but in the last month or two months of production, we're all going overtime. Over overtime. Because while we've been enjoying sitting at home for three days a week, uh, that's a lot of time. That's a lot of ground that is not being taken. I mean, imagine, imagine corporate calling up this, this company and going, Hey, you know, how's it going? I'm not sure it's going good. It's Thursday. All right. Which means we'll be back in office on Monday. All right. Um, we'll, 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 we'll let you know on Monday. It's just like, unless they are keeping it around the clock and they're hiring more people and they're, they're getting certain people to work on these days so that they have three days off, but the production is going seven days a week, right? Or six days a week, right? Uh, or five. I don't know. I, I, I really don't know, but um, I don't, I'm going to be honest. I don't buy into four day work weeks, uh, to be more productive than a five or a six day work week. I just, I don't, I don't see it. I mean, listen, if you get an employee that actually gets more work done in a four day, 32 hour work week than a five day, 40 hour work week, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I mean, I, it just doesn't make sense to me. It just, it just, what are they doing? You know what I mean? If this means there's absolutely no room for slack in any way, shape or form or, or anything during these four days, 32 hours. This is like, you are dialed the fuck in. Like you better be happier than a pig and shit. Like you better come to work with a big ass smile on your face. Uh, and just get ready to get shit done. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I, you need a longer sample size, but, uh, four day, 32 hour, uh, work week. It just seems very counterproductive. I mean, if this was like a firefighter that was like, you know, had to be on call for 24 hours or whatever, this makes sense. Uh, but I crazy. It's just crazy. And there'll be people that are like, you know, there, there's going to be tons of people like, oh, man, yeah, dude, if I only had to work four days a week, I'd be so much happier, too. Yeah, fuck, we all would be happier. Yeah. If I only had to work four, four days a week, I'd be 
I'd I'd feel I'd probably feel pretty good too. But it's all it's all about uh, how your employer is going to you know press your ass um, and what those deadlines come down to. Yeah, I think within the like if we're just going to talk specifically, I guess about. Well, well, what I'm going to say is specific to the video game industry anyway, I suppose, although you could probably extrapolate it to other areas as well, or expand it to other areas, is like, uh, the is that ultimately, I guess it comes down to, what are the goals of the company, right? So, if the goal, if the goal, uh, if the goal of the company is to produce good games that make all of their money back, and then some, obviously enough to grow the company at a at a, a at a whatever rate that they find as the company acceptable then that's the, the mark that they're shooting for for some companies that's going to be a, an ever climbing thing where they want to be top top they want to be the next activision they want to go from just being like a developer to a publisher to uh the largest fucking entity in the market and continue to climb that ladder that way then 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 that is unlikely to be achievable within a um i wouldn't say impossible but obviously far more difficult because of the rigors of trying to get to that point um within a four hour or a four day 32 hour work week schedule unless like jeff was saying for example you did something where perhaps you scaled back employee compensation but you said four hours 32 uh or four days for 32 hours and then the scaled back compensation allowed them to run split shift four days four days four days so that's yeah. running 24 hours a day seven days which would be like you're basically doing a nursing rotation at that point where you got back shift workers well, and, you almost have to and like day shift you... workers if you were games well if for if if you were doing it that way then you're then it's you know obviously the the compensation and how it would 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 increase the cost of the game and so there would have to be uh the game would have to make more money by virtue of being out sooner but that's not necessarily what makes a game a bunch of money um it's not so it's a, it, yeah it, it depends on like the industry like how important is being first to market with something new or just is it the next iteration of your thing uh how much does that shift the bottom line if you do it that way and if that's the case then maybe we can afford to do a 24-hour rotational shift where people are getting paid like 70 or 60 percent of their total but we allow but then we have people working back shift front shift over and over again but yeah within the within the this instance you know and and knowing idos in terms of the games that they've produced and whatnot they're not a company that's out there chasing. Uh, they're not trying to be Ubisoft, where they where they where they they go out to their shareholders and say we're aiming to make five AAA titles a year. Um, that's Idos is definitely not chasing five AAA titles a year. Idos traditionally is let's get one game done well, and if it's making us money and it's still growing the company, then that's our mark. And go for it. And I think that company goal or endpoint is obviously far more achievable within the confines of a four-day, 32-hour work week than it would be if you were, again, trying to be, uh, let's say, Ubisoft or an Activision or something and trying to chase the uh, chase the dragon, so to speak, um, in, in that regard. To the point where, like, Activision's got, at one point, they had, what, three studios doing Call of Duty on a six-month rotation? 
um, what was it, uh, Treyarch, Sledgehammer Games, and, and, um, one more, and it was literally every six months of Call of Duty, like, there, that's a, a, a different animal, and would be much more, uh, complicated to pull off. Yeah, it's an interesting thing. I know that there, I don't, I haven't had a chance to read any of the more recent ones. I know that the four-day work week was in part being looked into and studied more when I was in university in places, more specifically Europe than it was here. It wasn't, and most of this originates in Europe, and then it trickles over here later on, to my recollection anyway. Um, so it's not new, new, and some studies have been running for a long time, but I do feel that this is, in my opinion, uh, incredibly industry-specific, and then company goal-specific, in terms of what are you aiming to accomplish as the company, and then is that possible within the confines of this, because the raw data that they have discovered, whether it's in a short-term or a long-term thus far... And again, I don't know about industry-specific stuff like uh, the video game industry. It's that, by and large, especially within office work uh, and things of that nature, people accomplish the same amount of productivity within uh, X, you know, a shorter, uh, basically the concept is a much shorter window of time than is the required. Which, if you've ever worked an office job, uh, you probably have experienced at some point. I know I did, where there were many days of the week where... Um, there was literally no more work that I could do. They had nothing else to give me, but I was at work and there were still four hours left in the workday. I was just efficient enough at my job to be done by like, let's say lunchtime, one o'clock. And I started creating work for myself where I was, uh, because there was nothing else for me to do. And that's not like super uncommon where you'll, you'll get period, a lot of periods of multiple days where people are just pretending to work because there's nothing else to do. Um, and that's been a meme and a common stereotype for years. And so there's, while it's not every job in every industry, and, and that would be my take, it's certainly not everything that it applies to. Um, I think there are, there are probably some places that can, that can work that out. And then, like anything, it's up to the company as to whether or not they compensate their employees the exact same amount, or if they scale back the pay based on the hours. And I, I think that for a lot of people, if you took their pay from 100% down to 80% of that pay scale or even 75 or 70%, and then offer them a four-day work week, I think a lot of people would take it, if only because um, they could, if they wanted to, like with the gig economy as it is now, they could take up a gig on the side and also have more personal time and probably make enough money that, uh, while not feeling um, as uh, as overworked for the 100% of the pay scale. So, yeah, it's a... Uh, it's an interesting thing, and it's one of those things that we're getting into the point now, like we're seeing here, where companies are actually employing it, and so now we'll get to see, and hopefully, more industries so that we have examples from not just gaming, but other industries as well, in different sectors to be able, and different places in the world too, where different cultures dictate different work-life uh, balances, to see how it all works out. Um, because that is also something that you don't think about sometimes, is that other places, the work-life balance is treated totally differently, and their work schedules are already different than what we would, for example, have here in North America versus what they have somewhere else, like whether that's Japan or or uh, within certain countries within Europe, etc., etc. So there you go. Eidos, first one to take the dive, uh, to my knowledge, within the video first game industry. <laughs> and we'll see We'll see if they're the last oh, they uh, uh, from there. I, you know what? I, you know what? I'll, I'll bet... I bet you that this will crop up in B tier and under 
Um, and by that, I don't mean in terms of quality, but in terms of like the size of the company. I think this will skew to indie and and or- mid mid and B tier because their goals their goals are different from the megacorp level and so this will probably float yep. in around there I, I i still don't think a four i i yeah th- this definitely sounds more of a an individual business philosophy and and uh, a work uh, a work environment that the the owners the ceo feels deeply about um it might even be you know um a, a play to to the industry um you know pandering a little bit to you know hey guys if y'all don't like working at wherever 60 hours a week um look what we do four hour work weeks or sorry four day work weeks 32 hours definitely Um, an incentive for some people for sure (laughs) for sure it's a big incentive uh it's a big incentive um especially if they're keeping salary that's the other thing it's like are you keeping people's salaries the same as what you were paying when they were working 40 hours or 48 hours a week? Like, you know, are you scaling down how much money they make as well? Like the, the, these details aren't being said, right? So like, we don't know, like they, they might say, Hey, there's absolutely no chance for overtime. Um, there's absolutely, you know, we, we can't pay you for your four or for your 40 hours a week. We have to pay you for 32. Um, you know, kudos to these guys. If, they are still paying the same salaries and they're giving people essentially an extra day off a week to do whatever they want with their time. The vast majority of those employees will not do side gigs to make more money. They'll just take more time off and all yeah, the power of course, to yeah. them and all the power to them. Yeah. I mean, shit, uh, you know, if, if Twitch was paying me to do four, four, four days a week and I was making the same money as I was making working six or seven days a week, fucking damn right. I'm going to sing that shit to the, <laughs> I mean, yeah, hell yeah, hell yeah, I ain't complaining at all, you guys are amazing, but it's the details that matter, man, you know, what are these guys going to be like come the finish line when, when, when they need this game done for the big dogs up at top that's going, motherfuckers, like, fuck your 32-hour work weeks, we need this shit done, because while you guys are down there playing with your little bit of money, we up here, like, dealing with some big-time dollars. That's why you'll never see these big developers d- do that. It's just never going to happen. But, uh, hey, if they can make that shit happen in their own environment and they can create some a really great working uh, atmosphere, fuck, I'm all for it, man. You're not going to hear me complain. I mean, yeah, shit. I think it's very similar. It's kind of like, now that you mentioned it too, it's similar to the concept of like when people get bought out for contracts and people are like, why would you do that? On like Twitch and, and st- uh, stuff or like when they took Mixer contracts. And it's not, it wasn't just about the bag. Because they were going to make that money more or less anyway. wherever they went. Yeah. It was about the fact that the stipulated streaming hours for the same amount of money went from they have to really grind it out to, you know, yeah, 30 something hours a week. Yeah, 40 hour, 40 hour weeks opposed to and, 60, 70 hour weeks. I mean, and you're done. And, and uh, that's, and the, the time is the much more valuable at that point than the money and so you go that route for that uh, that route for that well, reason time is the most precious commodity that we all have exactly you know exactly. if i if i could free up 30 hours a week and i'm getting paid the same you you take that you take that every single time and there is truth to the statement you're going to work 
better and be more fresh and happier as an employee doing that. The real, the real question is, can the employer afford to do that? And how long can they do that? Because they have costs. They just do. You Here's another. Be, yeah. yeah, no, sorry. Go ahead. I, didn't, I thought you were done. Sorry. I was going to say, like, you might be more productive. And, and, and even if you aren't more productive, you just might be happier. And that shit just rubs off on everybody else. Just making it a better. That shit comes off in your work and everything, right? Like, you just more you attention often to do better work when you're happy. I mean, that's 100%, kind of. Yeah. 100%. Right. Yeah. So, you know, that, that, that is absolutely true. But the real question is, can the employer stay true to the word, pay you the same amount, and, uh, you know, do this long term? You know, are they still going to have business that's going to want to deal with them? You know, there's a lot of companies that take a lot of, listen, um, I take a whole lot of value from contractors. I'll use a real estate example. When I was doing, when I do major renovations, specifically when I did this uh, renovation on this triplex, I gutted it. I had to deal with so many different contractors and I was the general contractor. So I had to go out and talk to everybody. Now there are contractors and there are quite a few of them that will only work Monday to Friday. Don't call them before 8 a.m. Don't call them after 5 p.m. They're not answering. They're literally not answering their phone. It's going, it's going to voicemail. We'll be back. Now for them, sure, a lot of them are mom and pop shops that value their off time. Now for somebody like me, that is a go, go, go guy. That's just like, no, I want answers. I want them now. I value a company or an individual that is willing to drop what they're doing or work that extra hour. If I call them at 6, 7 p.m., they're willing to go out of their comfort zone or bust their ass a little harder to get the job done. And the, the real question is, are, is this company still going to be able to attract a lot of these clients that are exactly that? And the vast majority of the big clients are that. We need to get our shit done. When the world is on fire and every and everybody's screaming and blowing down your back, you got to be able to get there and get the shit done. That's going to be the real question. It's why a lot of these industries don't do that. It's it's why it's like that in the healthcare system. It's like that in the it's like that in the movie business and the it virtually everything is because there's too much pressure. Shit has to get done. There's deadlines. Every time a game gets goes longer every day, it's like a movie. Every day a movie goes on is costing them sometimes hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars just from having everybody on set chilling fuck you got to pay everybody you got to feed people got to keep the lights on we'll see how they can do it man it's impressive if they can a yeah, very so impressive. so for them at least i don't think that that idos often although i could be wrong with this i don't think they do because uh, i think they're pretty busy with their own stuff right now i don't think that they're somebody that gets outsourced a lot to other companies to do bigger projects they might occasionally but i think they mostly do their their own stuff which is probably also why they they're going to be able to experiment with this and, and do their thing yeah. and when it comes to that i think that's like one of those things where where you're on like a strike system right where if you are a company that does do uh you know work for uh other companies to to help them with larger projects like let's say crystal dynamics working with the initiative 
to create the new Perfect Dark game because they needed to scale up the the team and it just so happens that the leader of the initiative was also the leader of Crystal Dynamics for a time so that was a convenient merger but that similar thing where they're working with another development house that's the thing where you say all right we need you to get this thing done and it needs to be done by this date you either hit it within your and they you know working with them that they're on a four-day week 32 hours yep at the end of the day for the the major project it will all come down to is the thing done when it needs to be done and is it to specification or better if they hit that they're never gonna they could work one day a week they don't give a fuck because they're paying for an end product that needs to be done by a certain time but if they show up and say hey guys you know it slipped a little bit and when we went home on thursday we just didn't have the time to get it done before monday obviously that then becomes a problem and then you probably don't get calls from people in the future that's a different situation um uh apparently according to chat somebody was saying that they did address so the pay is staying the same as a 40-hour week but they didn't talk about overtime yet so the pay stays the same but the overtime portion hasn't been discussed at least not publicly like lord knows what the fuck internally they've talked about. well i mean overtime is still past 40 hours right so like you know overtime isn't 33 hours Right, no, so. no, but like in terms of in terms of when people were asking, do they get the same amount of like the salary? Does it yeah. remain the same? Scaled on a forty-hour week to a thirty, that stays the same. But well, that's good. We don't know about like if there was crunch, like for example, and there was overtime. Mm-hmm. How does that pan out? Because it is the video game industry. I do suspect that in the last you know two to three months of the development of a game, uh, where there tends to be the most crunch, although crunch in some of the bigger companies are like fucking two years now, which is even that's not crunch anymore. You're just working a job that has you at the office for 16 hours. That's not crunch. You're just that's your job now. Is you're there, you're there as long as a as a fucking brain surgeon performing expensive surgery for long periods of time. Um then I suspect that yeah, that will be a discussion as well. Cause I don't think in, in this industry, even if you're doing your own projects like they would be most of the time, I don't think you get away with not having some level of crunch. It's just how much and for how long and what's the pay look like for that. And that will be an ultimate thing that we see in a year, two years, three years from now. It will be like what it whatever. I don't know what their latest project is going to be or what their next project is going to be, but what will really be telling is how does the next major project that they're starting from scratch. How does that turn out now that they've switched to this? Yeah, three months of crunch instead of one. That's well, what one I, month that's of crunch. One month of crunch doesn't exist in video games. You either okay. you're like you're, six you, months most of, of st- crunch instead of three. That's what I. <laughs> that's what I. That's what I think will happen. But yeah. we'll see. Uh, we'll see how we'll we'll see how it all. Hey, kudos uh, how to it all them. This is, I, I'm not hating I, on it. Go so ahead. And, and, uh, the last example that I had that that isn't a direct analog, but it did just pop into my mind is that when I, um, when I was in university, um, I had friends that went to Dalhousie, and then I was at St. Mary's, and uh, both for business, you know, friends in business at Dal, friends of business at SMU, and uh, SMU runs on a four day week. Fridays are off at SMU, uh, with the exception of occasionally labs uh, for certain classes might happen on a Friday, but otherwise, the main bulk of your school week is Monday through Thursday. Uh, whereas at Dow, for the business team, uh, business side, you were the, it was there was a five-day cycle. You covered the same amount of work at SMU as you did at Dow, and in fact, in um, in one instance... Your stats course within St. Mary's, not only were you on a four-day week, 
But uh, for business statistics, you covered uh, in Dow what they did in two semesters. You did it in one semester. So you did on a four-day week in one semester what Dow did in a uh, five-day week in two semesters for business statistics. And um, and yet the, the, you covered the same shit and it was all done and I didn't feel rushed. Like, I didn't feel like I was like, holy fuck, I've got so much shit going, I can't fucking keep it all up. Um, and I didn't feel any more under pressure as a student than the business students that I, that I was friends with at, at Dalhousie within a five day week with the same curriculum. Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't have any more of an analog to, to say, but uh, you know, to it, but that, but to know that there are certainly circumstances where you can be doing the same amount of work in less time and not suffer for it and still allow. And what it allowed on the back end was more study time which was great, or more time for projects. So when you had group projects that were a nightmare, and you had fucking, you had five people, and you were the only one doing the work in the group, you know, the classic fucking example, you had three days before the next fucking week came around, you had to have it done instead of two days. Um, and uh, so there were, there were benefits uh, to it. I will say that the business statistics, one semester, four-day week, it was tough, fucking hard, but uh, at the same time, I still did well in the class and I, and I enjoyed it. I think more of it came down to whether your professor was good than the amount of time well, you spent what, in the classroom. Happen, that's what's going to happen in, in this specific situation. It's just like, if you're doing a four day work week, like there is zero, zero time for downtime, slack, um, none of that. Right. So like, mm. um, you better hope that extra day off preps you for the intense nonstop work that you are going to be doing. Um, cause the thought of it, you know, sometimes some people like breaking up their, their work so that they have those moments to have a smoke break and check their phone and watch <laughs> the, a little the, bit the, of the smoke break. Yes. Yeah, the classic. I'm, 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 I'm serious. Like, no, they, you I know, no, like I understand. People, yeah, no, like I get it. People, people get this, what they get, get through. Like, you know, listening to our podcast on the side, there's people that are working right now, you know, just different things like that. Like that shit goes away when you're getting rid of eight out eight productive hours of working, that is a big chunk of time and you better be prepared to get your ass in shape. One of the good things for the, for the company is they're probably going to find out very quickly who the real workers are and who ain't. That's what it's which boiled is, down to, which, which is, is fair ball. That's yeah, great news for them. them. Like yeah. if you're going to, if this allows you to find who you're real, you're, you're really, uh, um, valued employees are amazing. Yeah. Uh, as an added benefit for them. But there you go. Microsoft looks to be changing its views on the right to repair and is now working with groups to figure out possible ways to make parts in their consoles more easily accessible by consumers to allow for self-repair to reduce e-waste, among other things. So, uh, many, 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 many months ago, there's a, cons- I don't know if it's a consumer group led thing or, or what, but there's a group in the, in the States that, um, is specific to this, uh, or one of the groups working within the realm of the right to repair, which largely centered around Apple because Apple has been so anti consumer repair for so long that it actually became a thing that's now been floating around in the courts and whatnot, uh, off and on. Um, so this, there, this whole movement to allow people to be able to with, within, within reason, repair their own equipment or have the ability to do so if they want to, to save themselves fucking thousands of dollars and replacing stuff that doesn't need to be replaced, 
um, is, is, is coming back around in, in some sort of discussion and some sort of movement. Because when you look at how many people are now buying electronics and on the cycles that they are, uh, there is a shit ton of e-waste just fucking floating around. And it's not because something was permanently broken that you couldn't possibly repair. It was just that, you know, a small part or a couple of parts that shouldn't be too hard to repair go out and the company that you bought it from has made it impossible to fucking access without voiding like a warranty or they say, hey, you want that repaired? Send it in. We'll fix it for you. It's just going to cost you $1,000. And what's the cost of a brand new of that entire thing? You bought a brand new unit of that thing? Like $1,250. It's like, oh, okay. So you want me to repair this thing for $250 less than buying a brand new fucking uh, item from you? Obviously, a lot of people, it's like free upselling. You just go and buy the new fucking thing. Um, so, or in this instance, you know, we were just talking about Apple's insurance plans and stuff like that for their things because uh, anyone that's had to replace the screen on an Apple iPhone before or something similar to that uh, or an, uh, a part went on on a, your, um, your uh, MacBooks and shit, that shit is expensive as fuck to repair. Uh, and oftentimes, a lot of people just outright uh, replace the entire unit. So anyway... Microsoft's official or original legal counsel many, many moons ago now, I guess probably last year sometime, were very anti-right to repair. And at some point, Microsoft yeeted that legal counsel into the sun and replaced them. And now the new legal counsel is saying, is telling Microsoft, you know, we should totally take a look at this. And so now Microsoft's completely changed their tune as of sometime in the summer and said, you know what? Yes. Let's work together and see how much we can do to our, our products to allow people at home to repair them within reason so that we're not just throwing a bunch of shit into the garbage every time something that shouldn't be all that hard to repair uh, gets broken. So there you go. There's not really any more crazy news to that. I just thought it was kind of a neat thing. It's rare to see a company come forward and actually make the move themselves and not like be coerced legally <laughs> into, into doing it. Uh, and it's nice to see, uh, as well, because it's true, we do have, we have way too much e-waste as a society now. We are just cramming shit out the door. It's yeah. the same, uh, similar reason why Apple and others start, stop putting chargers in cases when you're buying a new phone now. Like, how many fucking chargers people have floating around their house? It's just, like, every drawer you open up, there's an old charger in, like, every fucking drawer, things of that nature. So, yeah, it's good to see that kind of stuff happen. And lastly, praise be to the gaming gods, Mr. Black. I'm sure you might remember this uh, being in several games back in the day on the computer. But uh, Bethesda has finally pushed an update to the more than a little old Fallout 3. It's been a while. Removing the requirement for Games for Windows Live login and the forced installation of Games for Windows Live when you install that bad boy. Bless. It's gone. Bless. Finally. That was one of the most broken parts of PC gaming with anything that had to do with, like, uh, Xbox Live integration or, or anything of that nature. It was forced, and it was broken, and you oftentimes couldn't run your game because it was so fucked up. Uh, and it's finally gone. Not that Games for Windows Live has been used in that method for many years. But now that, of course, I'm assuming uh, Microsoft having bought out ZeniMax and thus Bethesda, and Microsoft said, you know what, guys? We could probably, we could probably turn that bitch off. We don't... We don't, we don't need that need running that. anymore. That's yeah. not doing anything for anyone. So let's get rid of it. So they did. And Great. so now you can reinstall your Fallout 3 uh, and not have to run with that bullshit anymore. I still remember random anecdote about, anecdote about uh, Fallout 3. Uh, Mr. Black and I both played and beat it, but Mr. Black beat it in about four minutes and five seconds because he accidentally 
unbeknownst to him, managed to do like one of the few direct routes to the end end game, and literally beat the game in like two hours and three minutes or so. No, it was. I beat it in a day. I beat it. Was was it a day? Yeah. Yeah, It's like, and he had no idea that he was going straight line right to the end, just just haphazardly fucking got right to the end, and at the end the credits are rolling, and I just he was like, what the fuck? That's not that's over too quick. That can't possibly be it. This is a Bethesda game, and lo and behold, it was because he accidentally straight straight line that bitch yep. <laughs> from front to back. Um, but yeah, there you go. Anyway, that's it for gaming news, Mister Black. We made it to the end, which means it's time to sell out, sell some mic stands and cameras. Oh, you know we got we got Elgato. If you don't already, Elgato face cam. It's what I'm using. <laughs> Look at this quality. Look at my baby face. You know what I'm saying? I'm all in high. It's giving you that, that nice kind of, of of almost like the uh, beauty filter thing where it smooths out your pores. Well, you look so youthful. That's geology. I've been using skincare products, man. <laughs> now they don't pay us here, so I ain't plugging. Yeah, them. don't don't all push right? that here. We're not getting paid for that yet. But I will say I've been using some skincare products for about five six weeks. Shit's actually working, which is crazy. But I'm not plugging them. This is all about Elgato right now. So if you don't got a face cam, you all got to get one right now. Alongside the Wave. They got the Wave 3s. Go pick one up. They're a microphone. Plug and play. USB. If you got an XLR microphone, they now got the XLR. Uh, uh, what, are they, what do they call that? The, the, X, the XLR uh, Wave, right? The Wave XLR. Yeah, the Wave XLR. It's the interface. There it is. And there's so many waves and different products and stuff that you know kind of the names they're getting a lot of products now you know it's starting to, it's becoming they should tough probably they should probably stop using wave for absolutely everything and maybe like tsunami or some shit you know like add so change mm. the verbiage a bit because mm. everything being wave is starting to get like a little complicated but yeah anyway yeah so uh yeah go go pick one up they got the stream decks They've got everything essentially now. They've got uh, sound panels, um, green screens, you name it. They got it. So go check them out. They're a big supporter of what we do. So make sure you guys go and show them love. Link is in the description below. And we also got NordVPN. Mm. If you guys don't got a VPN service, it's time. It's time. NordVPN.com slash OTT. Use the promo code OTT and get yourself 73% off plus four bonus months when you get a two-year subscription. 30-day money-back guarantee. Fast servers. You can game on them, stream on them, game and stream on them at the same time. Have up to six simultaneous devices, which means one account per household. Oh, there's more. You can stay safe. You can stay anonymous, whether you're at home or at a public Wi-Fi. And on top of that, you can watch different regions of Netflix at the click of a button. So, for example, if you are from Canada and you have somehow managed to watch 50,000 hours of Netflix and you have no other Netflix to watch, but you're, you're like, man, if only I had access to the U.S. Netflix, which has even more content. Well, now you do through NordVPN. You can mask your IP to, to a U.S. IP and log in just like you normally would, but now you have the entire U.S. catalog. And guess what? You can do that for any region of Netflix. Mm. Click of a button. 
on any device anywhere. Mm. NordVPN. Go and get yourself one. Link is in the description below. And most importantly, the biggest thing that y'all need to do is head on over to patreon.com slash lag TV mm. and throw your money at the screen. Dig deep into your wallets and your hearts and think to yourself, how long do I want this show mm. to be on the air? Mm. Think about mm. it. For $1, if everybody that watched this put a dollar in, we'd have about $500 a month. <laughs> I was going to say five, but you at least added five. You went with a 500, so that's a little better than I was going to give us. There you go. That's good. <laughs> I'm just fucking witches. Listen, <laughs> patreon.com slash lag TV. If you guys got it, head on over there, show some love. And if you don't, it's all good. All we ask is that you leave a review, that you share it with a friend. If you're watching it on YouTube, you hit the like button. You leave a little comment in the comment section. You can let me know how bad my takes are. Do whatever you need to do down there. Whatever makes you feel better. As long as you're engaging, it's helping us. So go ahead and do it. We love you all for it. And that's it. Bless. Now it's time for Movies and TV. Resident Evil, welcome to Raccoon City. Trailer dropped. Did you watch it? I did. Did you immediately hate yourself after watching it? I did, actually. <laughs> <laughs> not gonna lie. Um, it looks bad. Um, it looks it looks too on the nose. Um, it's definitely it was definitely like look at how many video game references we can make in this trailer. Yeah, I mean, listen. At least it's not like. Is this is coming in theaters too, right? Yes, it is. Man. Like if this was if this if this was like a Netflix release, I wouldn't really care. Yeah. Um cuz it it just doesn't look like cinema quality stuff. I'm just sorry. It just doesn't. There's a couple of good actors in there that like, you know, that are known but not like they're not super known. They bring some legitimacy to the yeah. uh yeah. Yeah. Like they're they're seasoned actors and actresses. Um that can get the job done, but it looks a little bit too on the nose for me where, yeah, they're paying homage to the resident evil two, you know, the, the, the video game. It's, it's like one um, and two. It's like they merged one them and together. Two merged them together. Yeah. Um, but I mean, there was like cut scenes that were lit, like just come right out of the game that they just, well, they did right the, the zombie turn from the first game. That's like I said, I did a reaction to the, to it, uh, on my channel. I, and I said, the first thing was like, if I wasn't so lazy, I would just go and get a picture from the first game, and yeah. I bet you you could fucking map that shit one-to-one. -one. Yeah. Like, everything was identical. Uh, and you know what, though? I, 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 I hesitate, and it's why I didn't, like, go in too hard on them, too, when I, when I first looked at it. I don't want to dissuade them from, you know, putting as much of the games into this as they can. Because that's what people bitched at them about not doing forever and ever with the Resident Evils that came previously. They were like, what about this is even Resident Evil other than you had the title and uh, like one or two words, the T-Virus, and there's zombies. And like you've, that, that's not the only things about Resident Evil. So I don't want to like dissuade them from doing it. It's just like I think like you were saying, it's the way, the way they did it was a little too on the nose. You want to yeah. have it in there, but you don't want to, you know, we, the people that played the games don't need it to be that 
blatantly fucking obvious. We're going to see the shit. Yeah. If it's there. But if you make it everything about that and focus it on just, it. It just came off cheesy. Like, yeah, it, just, it makes like, it, it, it came, feel cheap. It came a little, little campy and cheesy. No. And the, the, the CGI, man, it's not good. It's uh, not it's terrible. Good. It's you not know what was good. worse? The music choice. Yeah, it's it, it was not a good trailer, guys. It was not a good trailer. <laughs> I straight uh, up I hear I hear that song in the background and all I can see in my head is the fucking He-Man meme version <laughs> pop up and I'm like, and I was pulled right into the trailer. <laughs> Why would you ever use and maybe that was like an maybe that was their idea. They were like, we know our audience are a bunch of 30 something year olds that are gonna like have played the games. They know this meme, it's as old as they are. Maybe it gets them talking about the shit even more. Uh and it was like a uh, that's I, I have to give them credit to do that because if I don't, then I, I don't know why else they chose that song. Uh but the the habit of taking them doing bad emo covers of every fucking song that they put in trailers now. Needs to stop. Stop the madness. Yep. Not every trailer needs a slowed down emo version of whatever fucking cover song that you're doing for your trailer. Just just choose appropriate music, for God's sake. the hell is wrong with you? Speaking of inappropriate music, The Rock decided to rap. Yeah, it's all that. Thoughts on that? Um, my honest thoughts... Um, I didn't think it was very good. Um, I liked the second part of his verse. I thought the first part was very, uh, it just didn't come off natural. It just felt, um, like he was, he used a thesaurus for part of that first half of the verse. Yeah. I, I, well, not only that, I think he probably had his lyrics written for him. Um, then somebody else used the thesaurus for the first yeah. part of that verse. Um, I mean, hey, listen, he's a big fan of Tech Nine, um, so you know, kudos to Tech Nine for because Tech Nine's an incredible uh, artist. Tech Nine's and, an amazing rapper, yeah, yeah, and he's like, um, he's like, he's well known, but he's he never really broke out of like the really well known underground kind of people you know, that like rap. A lot. Oh, yeah. He's no tech, a lot. No tech nine, but then you're you're not the people that are listening to Drake aren't like who aren't like, oh yeah, I fucks with tech nine. Well, some of them. I mean the hip hop heads, well, they, you know, they, they, they know they you know, know what I mean up. though. Like, yeah, like, the casuals, the casuals, yeah. they don't they don't know what tech nine is. Yeah. But um the the you know, the real hip hop heads out there know what the fuck is up. So I'm happy for tech nine because he's getting a lot. I mean, he's got like, you know, a number one track. He's yeah. with the rock, the rock's a big fan. This is great for him. I thought The Rock did have just of a fine of a showing, you know, but like he's not, you know, stick stick to your Disney songs, right? Like, you know, if 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 The Rock can I say, out, <laughs> yeah, like listen, I think The Rock is ultra talented. He's hardworking. I, Absolutely, I, you know, he's he's that guy. But like, I don't, I'm never gonna buy a Rock album. You know, if The Rock was like, hey, I'm gonna do a hip hop album and get all of the biggest artists around to like get a. I, I'm I I'm I'm not gonna I'm gonna listen to it just because uh because I wanna see the train wreck, but I'm more so listening to uh, you know, I, I I he needs I mean it's hard you know to what? hate on it's hard to hate on the guy, right? And and, and it, it's it's he's he's on a track with legitimately talented artists that are making him not look like great. And then on top of that, like this is the part that hurt me. Is like okay, you know what? He's in the song, and the song is like 
a serious song. Like they're taking it serious. Like this isn't a parody. Like he's making a real song. And, um, you know, I thought the, 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 the first was a little bit too, like the first part of his verse is a little too on the, you know, buttons. And, it, you know, uh, it just didn't flow like the way it was on beat, but it just, I liked the second part, uh, where he was mimicking sort of a tech nine type flow. I thought that that was really cool. And I th- actually thought that sounded good. But the part that hurts me, man, is at the end of it, like the rock, he gets thrown his fucking tequila and he's promoting his brand, his tequila brand. He does this, this um, uh, Samoan thing that he always does, which is fine. I mean, you're representing your people and that's cool and all. But like, dude, just shut it off for a little bit, man. Like not possible. Just, and then not only that, like the cringiest thing, it's like at the end, he starts talking as well. Like, you know, thank you, Tech Nine. You know, uh, it's it's an honor, brother, and fucking whatever he says. It's like, dude, just with all due respect, man, shut the fuck up, man. Just like <laughs> do the music. Not everything needs to like. You don't need to 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 voice it. Like it's hard to explain, but this guy is just like he can't turn it off. Like it's like, dude, if you just went in there and had some fun, which I'm sure he did, is one thing. But stop selling me shit, and like. It's the same thing. I knew the moment the song came out that within a day, he, you know, you know what the rock's favorite number is? Number one. That's the, that's the, that's his favorite number. And then seven for seven bucks. Cause he had seven bucks in his pocket when he fucking left home or whatever. Listen, the guy is like, thank you for making this the number one track on iTunes. Thank you. Oh, you know, the fastest growing song in all of America in the world. Number one, the, my, 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 I'm surprised he didn't have a tequila in one hand and his fucking Zoa in the other hand, cracking him open and, and double fisting him. You know, it's everything. Like even today I watched a video on YouTube of the rock, which was a cool video, but he just ruins it with like every time it's like, I love the guy so much. I'm like, dude, stop, just stop p- plugging your shit and stop like humble bragging everything you do, man. It's crazy. He had a video today that I watched on him on YouTube of going, of being on a video in the gym, fucking jacked as shit, talking to a football team that he went to high school with, the same high school, and he's amping them up, and he's and then he's giving everybody gear, right? All like my, you know, and the first thing he says is, "What I'm doing for you guys." I'm paraphrasing, but what I'm doing is I'm going to give you guys all of Project Rocks. The num- the number one selling shoe in the world. Actually, the fastest growing number one shoe on the market, along with the patented page- pa- uh, Project Rock with the high school, the number one selling sweater in all of Under Armour. And we are just so, so grateful. Thank you guys for making this number one. Yes, number one. That's right, number one. And it's just, that's what, it's a nonstop. He did it in the fucking song, man. I am surprised at, at in in a line. He should have he had a line where he said, like, I'm number one in everything I touch. You know what I mean? Like, he needed to just, you know, just own, like, the guy is like, come on, man. He's a walking fucking advertisement, and it's crazy. It's I understand. I'm ranting about the Rock here, guys. Dude, you right? have officially. It sounds like you finally hit a boat nah. where I was two nah. years ago with the Rock. You've yeah. you've officially you got there. It took Dude, a while, and, and I'm a sellout, man. You know, I'm a I'm the guy that is all about make as much money as you can, promote and sell, 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 
and do your thing. But the shit is, it's, it is, it's hurting me, man. But I still watch it because he's such a charismatic guy and he's doing all the cool shit. And it's like, how can you hate on the guy? Because he, he doesn't seem like he has a bad bone in his body, but he's just so humble, braggy about everything he does. So he's got to <laughs> add number one to it all so the time. He, here's Hardest here's worker in the room. Yeah. Hardest worker in the room. Blood, sweat, respect. Hardest worker. Number one. Number one. Number one. J- Jack Black. Did you see the interview where Jack Black does an impression of The Rock and he I does basically it. what you just did there? Yeah. Yes. Okay. So. Yeah. Okay, so here's here's the deal. Here's how I feel about The Rock. Because where you are now is where I was two years ago with The Rock. You just took a while to get here, but we're here. It I'm took here. Zoa and the tequila, but you, we finally got there. The Zoa did me in, man. The Zoa, the Zoa definitely the Zoa was the did, tipping point. Yeah, it did me in. So you know, I gotta I gotta be honest with you. I don't think The Rock's that nice of a guy. The moment that you that when you and this is why. You just said about five times in that rant about his humble brag. Nobody that's a nice guy, honestly and truly, humble brags as much as Dwayne the fucking Rock Johnson. Nobody. Nobody that's honestly nice goes up and and fucking sucks their own dick publicly as often as Dwayne the Rock Johnson and is still an honestly humble and nice individual on the back end. I'm not saying this man kicks puppies and punches babies. But what I am saying is that that motherfucker is a diva. I bet you he's a nightmare to fucking work with. And he said, I bet you he is like that off camera and on. I bet you that guy is in his fucking trailer doing line reads, drinking his shit and looking at the mirror and telling himself he's number one in every fucking category. That you have to be for it to just so freely flow from your mouth every five fucking seconds. Yeah. And then to have... And then to have the fucking audacity to get on this track with Tech Nine, and like you said though, honestly, Tech Nine's getting more out of this obviously than The Rock is. Oh yeah, I'm happy for him. And which is exactly why Tech Nine would have also let him give his bibliography and biography, I should say, at the end of the fucking track where he just talks for a while. That's the only reason is because it's 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 shine for Tech Nine and Tech Nine's shit. It's mainstreaming Tech Nine. But dude. You know who is a nice guy on average or a more genuine nice guy on average and doesn't fucking humble brag every five fucking seconds and does all this shit and Dwayne feuded with publicly and just dug it up again 72 hours ago. Vin fucking Diesel. When's the last time you heard Vin Diesel open his fucking mouth publicly about him and The Rock having a fucking sissy slap fight? Over all this shit. It's only ever Dwayne. Every fucking time. And he always like frames it. Like there's peace. At the end of every one. But obviously there's no peace. If you keep running your fucking big ass mouth. And you come out and you're like. Yeah we, we sat down man to man. And we really like hashed it out. And at the end we really just discovered. That we're two ends of the same spectrum. But we oh, there was peace at the end. Fuck you, there was peace. I bet you there was nothing. I bet you you tried to sell Vin Diesel five fucking crates of Zoa energy drink. You probably tried to give him a free sweater and a fucking slap on the ass and a pair of shoes at the other end. 
You probably tried to fucking, like, say that you're welcome for me bringing your franchise to billion-dollar fucking status, and then walked out of the fucking room. Like, Vin Diesel is the type of motherfucker, he's, he's like a big meat-headed geek. And he wears all of his shit on his sleeve. So when Vin says some shit, whether you like it or not, you know it's at least Vin saying the shit. When The Rock says some shit, he's constantly selling you. He's a car salesman. You never know when he turns it off because secret, he's never turning it off. It's always on. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. So when when Vin almost completely, and in my opinion, unironically, made the fast movie about family, 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 and together, 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 that was entirely because of the feud between him and Dwayne The Rock Johnson. And that was his way of making sure that Dwayne knew. This wasn't for anyone else. This was for Vin and Dwayne. To Dwayne to know. A, this is a pissing contest for sure. That this is this is family, and the family is literally the people that made the franchise together. Not Dwayne the Rock fucking Johnson that came in for two movies and did his fucking thing, and then said, "Fuck you, I don't want to do this anymore." If I have to be in a scene with you at this point, and walked away. The Rock has shown one of two things. One. He used to be, and I believe this honestly. I, it's not again. It's not that I think that Dwayne is the kicking puppies and punching babies type guy, but he has, in my opinion, been hideously corrupted with his, with his own success. He's one of the most successful individuals on the fucking planet. And if you go back and you watch his old wrestling shit, and you see, you know where he comes from in the wrestling business, where his father. Uh, Rocky Johnson, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, his whole wrestling family and his entry into the business. And how he got to where he was. And then how he acted in public and talked and interacted with people. And then when he got into movies and it wasn't just fucking walk tall, stand tall, whatever fucking movie that was. Where he had a, a fucking two by four in his hand on the front walking cover. Tall. Like like once he got past that point of like shitty like C tier movies and he made his first big dollars. And I then like all of a sudden a fucking... Movie. Light, it wasn't a bad movie, but you know, I was just using it as like a turning point. It's like a light switch change. And he went full cell all the time. Humble well, he brag. He went full Hollywood, man. Humble He's, brag all yeah, the time. Yeah. And he is so far up his own fucking ass that he might find the testicles that have retracted because of the amount of fucking PEDs that that motherfucker is on at 50 years old, cranking that shit out at the gym to maintain his physique to sell Zoa energy drinks in a Tech 9 song. He is. Somebody that unfortunately success got to his fucking head, and now we're watching it in real time. But like you said, he's Wait also he's incredible, he's incredibly charismatic, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. And so when you're incredibly charismatic, you publicly get so much padding on the back that you have to reduce down to punching babies, kicking puppies before you start to get substantial backlash, and you and you maybe get a small reality check. Otherwise. Like, think about who he's really humble around. The closest person that he's, like, sort of humble around or, like, is Kevin Hart. And it's because he's literally, four, and I, I swear this is my take, four times the size of Kevin Hart, and he can treat Kevin Hart like a child. You see how they interact in every fucking thing, and it's all, it's all Kevin Hart taking the L's in every fucking, like, paired-up interview. It's all Dwayne at the top, and that's how he interacts with people. And that's supposed to be his friend, Kevin fucking Hart. 
Well, I'm so, sure they're friends. I'm, I'm, dude. I'm sure they're friends. But I, I think, I think what it is with the Rock, and I'm, I'm just projecting, right? I, I don't know the fucking guy. He oh, might. This is actually, all just my opinion. Yeah, he might actually be a saint. I mean, I, I, I don't. I really don't know. I have a hard time believing that. Uh, just from what I, from what I'm seeing, but um. You know, there's no doubt in my mind that he's one of the he, he's he's definitely one of the most charismatic people in Hollywood um, and has been for a long time. He's very successful. Um, he does a lot of great stuff. He does a lot of great charity stuff. Unfortunately, even when he does these charity things, he's usually selling out and selling a brand or if he's giving away a truck, it's the same brands and the same deals and the same exposure. It's 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 not even probably him giving away this shit. It's stuff that is just partners and favors and different you know shit like that but well he's you know, giving not, away for that brand for the exposure correct. that he brings for the 100%, giveaway 100 yeah. because if you think dwayne the rock johnson is going to go and buy a ferrari and give a ferrari to somebody knowing that the video is going to get 50 million views and ferrari ain't going to pay for nothing you're high as fuck this guy is the ultimate businessman right like there's no doubt about it the guy is the hardest worker in the room and thus he has an ego i mean the reason why him and vince or uh sorry uh um uh, Vin. Uh, Vin had a, had such a had such a, a budding of heads is because The Rock went into Vin Diesel's baby. That was his domain. That's his baby and family and everything. He came in, brought his Rock thing, got you know was very successful, and probably thought he ran the show now that it was his fucking shit, and he called the shots. And Vin Diesel likely checked him. Probably took him and said, hey, motherfucker, like, you know, I appreciate what you're doing, but bro, I'm the alpha in this fucking, this domain. I hired you, you know, they, you didn't you know, hire and, me and, and the rock and you know, no, I hired you. Right. Yeah. And, but the thing is, is the rock is probably not used to, I guarantee you being around people that say no to him or challenge him. Right. Because as long as he is quite literally the biggest, most towering person in any room he's in. And the most successful in any room he's in, if anybody challenges that, they usually go on the shit list. Look what happened to Tyrese. Now, Tyrese is fucking crazy. He's batshit crazy anyway. Yeah, but like Tyrese the Rock, off, yeah. You know, The Rock will fucking tear you a new strip. And he's got a lot of people on his side, man. He's got a lot of influence, a lot of power. Um, so, you know, uh, I, I don't know how we got all the way around here, but I, <laughs> I, at the end of the day, I still really like The Rock. I think he is... Uh, I think he's a good person. I truly do, uh, you know, but when you're making, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars a year and you're, you're, you, you literally don't like, don't sleep. And the guy just works and works and works and becomes number one, literally in everything. I, the guy just speaks it all to in, into existence. Like the guy is just like, he's like, it's almost like he's trained his audience to get everything he touches to number one. Like it, it's, it's actually insane. Uh, kudos to him. I mean, he's a marketing God. Um, you know, we can write books about this dude and there will be, and I'm sure he'll be president one day. I can almost guarantee you he will be at some point when he's ready to finally fucking slow the hell down and do a different job and be his, number his one. His charisma is the only reason the humble brag, he can get away with it. Cause if anyone oh, yeah. else humble bragged as often as he did, oh, they'd be, they'd, they'd be, be burned alive. Oh yeah, they'd be a meme. They would be, they would literally be a meme. It just wouldn't happen, right? But it's The Rock. And, you know, he played the persona of the guy that was the fucking man, and now he actually is the fucking man. Like not not behind some scripted WWE shit. He is the actual fucking man. I mean, whatever the fuck The Rock wants to do in this world, he can literally do it. He could call anybody for anything. 
and they will say yes. They just will. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, listen, the the song, great uh, for, for Tech 9 I'm happy he's got a number one track. Um, I could have done without the tequila throw-in and the speech at the end, <laughs> which is, was just like, dude, man, like, wrap your verse and get the fuck off. Like, you know, save your 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 speeches and your last word you know for your instagram uh not not for a song i i, I you know stop stop giving me speeches man i'm i'm over it uh I, I i don't i don't give a fuck right so uh yeah that's what i thought about the song and along and along with the thing netflix has ordered 10 episodes of that 70s show successor that 90s show and has essentially the original writers some of the original producers and is bringing back the actors who played Red and Kitty Foreman. Follows the daughter of Eric and Donna, who is visiting her grandparents, Red and Kitty, for the summer, and meets a new generation of kids in the area, and the show ensues. Great. I, I like that 70s show. That so 70s we'll show see. was a good show. We'll see if they can make the magic happen. Uh, you know, you're just going to have, you know, the the same, you know, Red's going to say, you know, call you know, people dumbass and... Kitty's going to be an alcoholic and smoking her fucking life away and, and, uh, you know, the regular antics, but in the nineties. And I'm interested as to just how hard they lean into nineties culture on the show. Cause I mean, that's our, that's our generation now. Well, they will. I mean, look so, how they did the seventies, right? So I'm sure they'll do just fine. Yeah. So that will be, that will be, uh, interesting. And it's uh, the only reason I'm really interested in this, other than the fact that the, that seventies show was a great show. I mean, it ran eight, eight seasons. It had to be good to get that deep in. Um, is that they do have so many of the originals, not just the actors, but yeah. writers and producers, and and so you're going to get the same feel, the same uh that that same idea, the same kind of um uh you know writing and producing and directing is all going to be very similar, and I think that probably gives it the best chance that it could possibly have. I'll try uh, it out for ten for episodes. That. Absolutely. Uh, a new record breaker in, in Jeopardy as contestant Matt Amodio ends his run with a 38-game winning streak where he topped out at $1.5 million. So I can't remember if that was like the most games won in a row or or what. It's not the most winnings, but he's up there now in the in the pantheon of, uh, of Jeopardy millionaires and uh, now the person that beat him I think is on a three game win streak we'll see just how uh, how far they get along but uh, there you go some people with enough fucking knowledge random knowledge to cram 1.5 mil into their pocket in Jeopardy earnings actor and impressionist oh this is the this is a big one yeah, for I've me this it. week I, yeah I've already seen this you've seen this all right so we don't have to watch it then I guess we'll just leave yeah, it yeah yeah I've seen it uh so uh, actor and impressionist Jamie Costa has worked diligently on his imp- uh, impersonation of Robin Williams for some time now. I think it's been a couple years. Uh, and now that's all coming to a head in a screen test that he and um, a few others put together of him portraying Williams in a would-be biopic. And uh, this is just me saying this. Holy shit, does he nail it? Uh, right down to how Robin breathed. Like, Robin had a very distinct breathing fucking pattern. And then this guy managed to get that. Uh, you know, there are several layers to impersonating somebody. Usually it's the most, usually you, you pull the most, uh, apparent, uh, audio visual cues out of somebody and you exaggerate them and, uh, and you get a character, a caricature almost of that person. This guy does a, he, he, he looks just enough like Robin to help, but the mannerisms, 
He, I mean, everything. The, 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 the fucking, his, when he's standing, his shoulders uh, to his neck carriage, his mouth movements, his eye movements, his breathing pattern, uh, uh, his, the dynamics of Robin's speech where he'll go from a whisper to a fucking, like, yell in and out all over the place and, and uh, his uh, everything. I mean, I was, like, blown away by how accurate he got with this. And from my opinion, personally... If they don't do a biopic with this motherfucker, I think they're it's a wasted opportunity. I mean, that, that is a a seriously almost no-brainer, especially given how many people would love to see a biopic about Robin. At least that's my assumption is that a lot of people would love to see a biopic uh, about Robin Williams. So what did you think about the uh, about that uh, that screen test? I, I've seen this guy like years ago. Um, hmm. He's been doing this stuff with impersonating Robin. Uh, hmm. even before Robin passed away. So yeah, it's been, it's been several years. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I mean, he's good. Uh, he's very good. He's definitely the best. Um, so, you know, we'll see. Uh, I'm not sure anybody's screaming to get a Robin Williams biopic. Um, you know, it's probably one of those things where his daughter, I think her name's Zelda, right? Yeah. It's um, Zelda. Yeah she's probably going to have to be a big part of it and approve something if it ever did. I'm sure it's probably already been fielded to a degree. Um, uh, and maybe this, there's, this is the reason why he put this out um, to kind of get the public rallying behind this guy. Um, he's definitely the one to do it. It's just usually when you get a biopic um, about something as tragic as what happened to Robin Williams. Um, sometimes, I mean, it goes, it goes one of two ways. Most of the time it either, it either goes where they, they don't show the really deep and dark stuff because they're paying respect. Like they want to be respectful for obvious reasons. And then sometimes, you know, they will have, have conversations with people that knew him have stories about him and then they show all of you know the good and bad uh of robin williams right so um it's sometimes it's very a lot of times it's very tough to get these things greenlit where everybody is happy and most importantly the people that need to be happiest of the most is his family the family mm. the family they come first over everything right fuck what the audience thinks um, it's about really what the family uh, would would approve and what they wouldn't. So we will see uh, if it happens. If it does happen, this is the guy. I mean, just it's just that simple. <laughs> yeah, and, it yeah. and it doesn't need to be this big movie theatrical thing. This could be something that Netflix green lights and does very very well on Netflix. Um, so you know we'll 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 see what happens. But uh, if there was one that came out, I'd be more than interested in in checking it out. And trying to get to know Robin Williams more than what we've just seen sort of on the surface. Because um, he seemed like a uh, a bubble of energy um, that was, you know, fighting a lot of demons. And made everybody happy around him but himself. And there's something, uh, you know, beautifully tragic about those types of individuals that I think we could all learn from. Um and 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 you know ultimately live a better life from what other people have gone through so we don't you know necessarily have to walk through those footsteps i think he would be a perfect bio piece um to look at if done respectfully 
Nobody wants to see a piece come out where they make him look like a monster or make him look like, you know, something that he wa- that he wasn't, right? So it's one of those things, man. You got to be careful. Well, yeah, of course, Touchy. absolutely. Yeah. yeah, but like you said, if there was if there, if there was a guy to do it, he's obviously the guy to do it, uh, to, to play the, the part. I, if, if I, you know, I think for me, I would like to see a series instead of a, a single one-off because, by, you know, Robin's career was elaborate and long and varied. Like, there's a lot of variety in his uh, career, starting from, you know, going back to uh, like being a fucking mime in, in uh, out in the city, just doing, you know, sketch stuff as a mime, and then all of a sudden he's doing, um, you know, he's doing Mork and Mindy uh, as his first real breakout, and then he spins that into, uh, you know, his first couple of, of movies and then the nineties, he comes into his own and it's just like he, he, he's a powerhouse in the nineties and, uh, and then the trail off into the early two thousands and then the, the health issues that started to really crop up in the, in the mid early two thousands and onward until, you know, we discover in his, you know, his, his death, the Louis body dementia and things of that nature being a contributing factor, uh, to, uh, to, you know, his mental struggles and, and, and why he started to be, the way he was publicly and to explain a bit of some of that. And, um, which is, you know, like you said, I think it would be, you have to do it respectfully. Everyone, it's not this, it's not a secret. He was like, even like this, this segment shows here in the screen test. I mean, he was best friends with, with, uh, uh, John Belushi. It was John Belushi, right? Not yeah, He's uh, Jim still alive. Um, and they were both party animals. Like everyone was Yep. like, and, and it was this in the eighties. Everyone was coked out of their mind. Oh yeah, all the time. See, and, but you got to be careful, right? Because then, like you know, when when you make these biopics, right? People. Oh, wanna, you still you, know, you, you, you look at that and, and yeah, it tarnishes like it everything. Tarnishes everything, right? Yeah. That's why you got to be so careful with these things. That's why you need the family involved um, to 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 make sure that uh, you know he's being represented the way he he should be represented. You know, yeah. everybody has their demons and everybody yeah. has their faults and they should be shown, but they should be shown in a way that doesn't paint him to be some sort of monster or, you know, uh, anything else. I mean, he's greatness, right? So he yeah. needs to be treated as such. So we'll, we'll see. Yeah. Uh, I, I would watch it. And there I'm was a super, you. I'd fuck yeah. with a series. I, I, yeah. I, you know, it doesn't need to be six, seven episodes, but no, you know, if, if, you know, like three or to five, three maybe to five, yeah, three to five and show different. Eras like the different with, eras of his career, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Show the party side. Show the 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 come up. The you know the you know the all of those sides, right? Show the the darker sides. But you know, just do it right, man. If you're gonna do it, do it yeah. right, please. And there was Whoa. a there was a really there was a good interview. What was his name? Charlie Day or something? I can't remember who the interviewer was, but it was it was right before the '90s, the true '90s breakout or late '90s breakout of Robin where it was um him and then also Matt Damon it was bef- right before the release of Goodwill Hunting and they did this big hour i think it was like an hour long or more interview sit down and you really got to see Robin where he wasn't constantly fucking bouncing off the walls and you got to just actually see him um uh, and hear him talk about and and also very interesting to see Matt Damon at that age discussing um, his career up to that point, because he was mentioned, like he mentions, it's kind of a crazy timepiece because he mentions how he's currently working on a big blockbuster that he thinks is going to be huge with Spielberg, and that's of course 
I think it was Spielberg, right? A Saving Private Ryan? Was it no? Was it Spielberg? No, no, no. Not Spielberg. Sorry, uh, that was um, Saving Private Ryan. I think that was Spielberg, wasn't it? Was it Spielberg? I think so. Uh, yeah, Spielberg. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was uh, produced by Steven Spielberg. Yeah. Um. So it was like before that. So right before Matt Damon just fucking like. <laughs> exploded and before right before Robin like really took off into his second wave of his um uh, of his career and to see those two talk so candidly about this film which for me which obviously I am I'm biased because Good Will Hunting is in my top three movies of all time and so uh, um yeah movie. like hearing them talk about it in the process and then more specifically hearing Hearing, uh, it's when you get actors before they, you know, speaking about, you know, The Rock, before they really blow up or something, and you get to see, like, their their actual takes on people, it's like a totally different window oh, yeah. into the person. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, very inter- interesting interview. But either way, there you go. I'd love to see a series, three to five, three to five episodes, hire this motherfucker. He's obviously earned it. Nobody's doing it better, Rob Williams and this guy. Make sure that Zelda's on board, and the family, and, and, uh, and hi-ho silver away. Uh, but one way or the other, even if it never happens, I love that they did the screen test. I think yep. they did a wonderful job of it, and uh, and props to to, uh, to to Jamie for doing such a fucking incredible work of of nailing somebody. Imagine trying the, the undertaking of mimicking Robin fucking Williams. Oh. Like, good, oh. good, good luck uh, with that. Uh, I watched the rest of Midnight Mass. It was an okay ending. Ooh. Honestly, like, honestly, uh, like, as this continues on, like, this, this, from the haunting of Hill House down through the line, and we're, we're doing, like, we're, we're doing this. Really? It's not See, like I, a, it's not like a, it's not like we're, like, fucking diving off a cliff. Yeah, I liked, I liked Midnight Mass way more than the second haunting season. Hmm. Way more. I would say they were, like, for me, I could, in my head, if I sat down and compared them, I could have one day where I liked Midnight Mass a little bit more than the second haunting, and then another day I could like the second haunting more than Midnight Mass. They're pretty close, but the top is still by oh like a God. huge yeah. margin. The first fucking season of uh, Haunting of Hill House. It's not that I thought that it was bad. It, I just like I felt like that show was building, 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 and it never really built to to anything super substantial. It felt like it just kind of like sputtered out. And, like, even the characters themselves, ironically, literally sputter out there at the end. And it's just like, oh, okay. And then it just ends. And you're like, all right, uh, okay, all right, okay, yeah, sure. Um, so, because the real peak, the real, like, like the, 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 um, <laughs> I'll, say, I'll say it this way just for the joke. The real coming to Jesus moment uh, is, 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 you know, one or two episodes previous Second last and then, episode. And then, yeah, and it feels like you've already, you've already got it. Like, they could have ended it there, and the last episode, the last episode is more or less, we're just going to show how we tie this end up, and then that's, that's it. There's no, there's no more, like, aha, or whoo, or whatever. It's just like, here's us, literally, you're watching us tie up the threads, and we're done. And it's not that it was, like, done poorly, it just wasn't as impactful an ending as you got in some of the other shows. Even the second haunting had, for me, a more impactful end game. Like the overall quality of Midnight Mass is likely better than Second Hill uh, Haunting, but the impact of the finale for me was better in the second haunting than uh, than that. Um, I still thought that it was great. You know, it was a great show, um, and uh, the actors just fucking crushed it. 
uh, honest to God, they all fucking nailed their, their roles am- amazingly. And, uh, and I look forward to the, their, you know, their next project. Cause obviously more is going to come, oh, yeah. uh, just, you know, next year sometime, I'm, I'm sure. And, uh, and we'll get more of it and, uh, and, and hopefully they uh, continue with the quality, but yeah, just for me, God, it's so hard to live up to the first Hill house. Like my God, that oh, yeah. fuck. So it's a tough one for sure. I also watched, uh, like I said earlier in the show, the Dave Chappelle, uh, special. Did you watch that yet? I did. You did. Do we want to talk about our thoughts? <laughs> I'm not going to. I'm not. Get, I'm not going. I'm not going down this road. Uh, you know. I'm not. I'm not going down this. I'm not venturing down it. I'll keep. My, I mean, if you want to share yours, you go ahead and share your thoughts all you want. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna. I'm. I, I'm just gonna say. Um, it's more Dave Chappelle. I mean, that's accurate. It's obviously, if there's one thing that you can't say about Dave is that he's changed as a person at any point in his career. He's been the same guy for his entire fucking, you know, adult life. You know, he would have made the same pivot in his late teens, early 20s as everyone else. And then, like, once he hit that stride, it was just, we've been getting the same Dave Chappelle for fucking 20 years now. So, um... I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll give some loose thoughts. I'm not going to go deep into it or some shit. Uh, only because what do I have to lose? I turned 33 yesterday. I'm a balding, white, middle-class white guy. The fuck do I care about, honestly? I'll just give my thoughts about it. I think the people that are really making a stink about this special fall into a couple of categories. One, they never watched the special in the first place. In its entirety. They caught a couple of 10 to 30 second clips on YouTube or somewhere else that had zero fucking context and was elaborated on by whatever writer was writing a uh, a much more salacious piece about that 10 to 30 second clip than the reality of it was. And then used their previous knowledge of whatever they've supposed about Dave Chappelle to weaponize it as a, a means of, of trying to bring this special down. Um, two... And, and, and this is, this is honestly no disrespect. There are a lot of people that do not have the ability to understand things beyond the surface. So whatever you're projecting out, like projecting out, whether it's comedy or if you're doing, writing a book, you know, there are several layers to understanding of, of the context and the, and the content of what the writer is uh, or and whether this is music or otherwise, it's like if you, uh, I'll, I'll try to make this as, as simple as I can, but it's, it's like, remember when you're in maybe in high school and you're learning to read Shakespeare or you're learning to read poetry and the teacher is trying to get you to learn how to read between the lines, you read something and then the teacher will ask the class oftentimes, what do you think this means? It's like the first question. You'll read a, p- a poem and the teacher will ask, what does this mean? And then hands are going up and people are in. And it's the most surface level, oh, this guy loved this girl. You're like, yes, that is absolutely true. Because that's the most surface and readily identifiable piece or message in that poem or writing, uh, etc. But then there's like fucking mo- way more and the true core of whatever is underneath that immediately identifiable, literally written structure in a lot of media, whether it's music, television, comedy, 
uh, doesn't matter what it is, uh, books, all there. There's a lot of people that do not have the ability to see past the surface. What is the surface of a Dave, uh, Dave Chappelle comedy sketch? It is, sh in, in, in many instances, it's raunchy, it's bordering on shock humor, and he really doubled down, intentionally so, hard on the, sala on, on the, on the salacious, the raunchy, the uh, shock humor as the surface medium for this special. He literally in the opening like five minutes talks about sucking a priest's dick and enjoying it and enjoyed like or like enjoyed coming on a priest's face. That is in the opening fucking moments of this special. And he knows what he's doing when he does that shit. And people will look at that or they'll look at, or they'll look at the, the uh, transgender discussion that he has in this special and other specials and they'll only see the very most surface things that he's saying, including when he says... I'm a transphobic, like seven, eight times or more in this special. And it's obviously said in jest in a juxtaposition of the reality of the entire story that he just told you to under, have you understand that that's obviously not the reality of the situation. If Dave Chappelle is anything, and this is another issue that some people have, is that yes, Dave is a comedian, but in his older age, Dave is mixing comedy with philosophy and storytelling and he is a really fucking good storyteller and he has the ability to tell you a joke up front and make you think that it's about this one thing and you think you figured it out and then he then he takes a real story from his life and tells you a story masterfully you can't not listen to the man when he's telling a story and then when he gets to the end of it you understand the real meaning as to what he tried to say or what he told you up front, and you think that was what it was, but it wasn't that easy. It wasn't that one thing. And most people get stuck on that one thing and don't get anything that fucking comes afterwards. So that's group two. And group three are people that have a really hard time grappling with uncomfortable truths about circles that they're involved in or they identify with. And can't take a joke about it at all. There was not a lot of what I would call, in any sense, direct punching at, down, whatever the fuck they want to like phrase it as in the comedy world is usually a punching up or punching down. And normally comedy is about what they would call punching up at like the man or whatever the fuck, something above the comedian themselves and the group they're representing. There wasn't really much of that. It was more about storytelling and the realities of, of points that Dave wanted to talk about. And everyone that's bitching about it, I'm sorry, but I already saw in several threads when somebody said that they, you know, like, oh, Dave's transphobe, he's a turf, uh, you know, not just by his own definition, by like every other. And then somebody would ask them, did you watch the special? And dude, I'm not fucking with you. Like 90% of the responses that were asked that said, I didn't watch the special. Which is coincidentally what Dave in this special said, that the people doing this shit aren't watching the specials. He already knows. Dave doesn't dick around on social media and shit. He doesn't even know what happens. Like he says in this special, Twitter's not a real place because pro tip, Twitter ain't a fucking real, sp <laughs> real space. Twitter's some fucking weird alternate universe that is not reality in almost any metric. But the last group are, are that people, or those people, people that grapple with that shit, because 
if uh, also what Dave said, if you're really listening, pretty much everything Dave talks about is against white people. It's white people that also share other categories that are here, including in this instance, transgendered people. And in this special, he goes out of his way on multiple instances to discuss transgender people wanting to be, uh, wanting to, uh, limp in to a situation to get, you know, to try to get things changed for them, which they should. But then when the shit hits the fan, they lean on what Dave calls their whiteness, which is true because they, they know the white, the idea of being the, the whiteness. It's not about some sort of like specific attack on anyone. Dave is agreeing with you. Just like many other people agree with this group, but this group is uh, like inarguably from what I've seen in the non-existent world of social media, one of the most aggressive and angry and embittered groups for a number. It's not that they shouldn't, they, they, they can't be, but it's like even the people that, that are there, if you don't not only align yourselves with them, but align yourselves with them in a ways that they want you specifically to align with, then you are 100% the enemy. You're not, you're not just somebody that has slightly different ideas, but still want them to be able to have rights and to be treated like humans and have the human experience, which is actually the last comment that Dave makes in this special is he tells a story about somebody that he knew that was a transgendered man to woman that was into comedy and gave this whole gave this. I don't want to. I'm not going to. Like, yeah, don't ruin the whole. I'm not going to ruin the whole thing. thing. Yeah. But yeah. the whole bit was at the very end about the human experience, and how this specific person, for example, w- would be upset only if it was it was being made out to be more than them just going through life like everyone else, and they had their struggles. And as long as you understand that they're just out there trying to love and be loved and be themselves, that's it. It's the human experience. Everyone shares that shit. And so, so the, the discourse around, uh, around Dave and this special and whatnot is so surface level and so, uh, centered on, on it. And he knew it. And a lot of his special was coincidentally speaking about that. He already knows. And it's not, it's not a secret. The problem is most people can't get past the surface. So that's my take on the whole thing is that, uh, the, it's, it's a, it's either willful ignorance or gross misunderstanding because people are either not watching the specials at all, or they're simply seeing clips and, and extrapolating uh, for in the worst ways possible, or they're just uncomfortable with the fact that some of what Dave is actually saying, whether they, it's not exactly what they want to hear, there's truth in it and it's uncomfortable and it's easier to put Dave in a box and attack the box than it is to attack Dave's ideas. And that's that's true for a lot of different topics when it comes to a lot of groups within whether you believe cancel culture exists or whatnot, whatever. That's all very well, much a thing. Exists. Oh, yeah, but exists. The, but but you know what I mean. So that's that's the problem with it in general is that it's ultimately uh, groups that do these things, not just the transgendered, you know, this whole discussion, but just in general, and even just in other discussions, well, it's human nature. It's easier to attack somebody when they are taken out of context of being an individual and a person that you have a shared experience with, put them in a box, label it, and then attack the box and the label instead of, instead of actually contending with the ideas 
uh, and the person that also is going through life and having uh, the shared human experience. And that's what this whole special was about. And I and and the fact that he managed to do three specials that more or less come to this head. And the whole thing being one punchline at the very end, and I won't say what it is, but he did three specials that build to this, and there's a punchline that is literally one joke for the whole three specials, is a, is genius. And whether you like Dave for his comedy or not, in my opinion, it's hard not to appre- <clears throat> excuse me appreciate him as a writer and a storyteller uh, and as a uh, a more everyday philosopher that also makes it funny and therefore easily more easily digestible to to take on some of the more crazy fucking topics which whether people like to admit it or not while it isn't all of comedy that is ultimately what a lot of comedy is about is about taking the shit that society doesn't like to look at and making it funny so that discussions can happen and and kind of taking the hard edge off of those topics yeah, I think I just think a lot of uh, a lot of some people's issues alongside that, right? And we kind of go through the same thing in in uh, in role play. Is you know a lot of people use the term "it's just role play," right? And a lot of the times, I shouldn't say a lot, but kinda, it's not just role play. Um, you know, sometimes you tell, sometimes you hear in, in people's voices, it's not their character telling you to go fuck yourself, you know, or at least you get that feeling, um, whether you're right about that feeling or not. Um, and I also think I'm just playing devil's advocate a little bit, just a little bit because, you know, uh, when it comes to Dave Chappelle, it's not just comedy. In fact, no. I think I think with Dave Chappelle, it's I think it's 80 percent philosophical, yeah. and his his thoughts and ideologies on the way the world is on many subjects, not just the transgender side of things. I mean, the entire Dave Chappelle show was about the racial experience. It's all, it, it's, yeah. it's very, it's, I know this is what Dave does. Right. And, and he's like, when he first started his career before, I would say, you know, before he went off to Africa or whatever and, and saying no to 50 million bucks, when he came back, he, he basically stopped doing what people, what he thought, you know, the big, the big heads upstairs wanted and now he he was he is gonna do his own thing. He was gonna be owned by nobody. And you can't cancel Dave Chappelle. I mean, he's just Dave Chappelle. If there's if there's one comedian out there that can say whatever the fuck he wants to say, this is the guy, right? Um, like there's not a lot of comedians that can get away with what Dave gets away with. Um, and I say that not as if he is doing something egregiously wrong, but I I do feel like Dave and it isn't even just in this in this in this case but in some of the other stuff that he's done um he is very he is very opinionated um and some of his thoughts are a bit on the extreme side um 
So, you know, I get... Oh, sure. Like, I don't agree with everything Dave yeah. Chappelle says oh, at all, obviously. Not. I'm not saying you do. I'm, no. I'm just... I'm... I'm. He is I, opinionated as hell. Oh, he's very opinionated, right? And, you know, there's there's a lot of truth to some of the things that Dave Chappelle says. Um, it's the way he says it um, that makes him so genius on how he can construct his stories to really capture an audience and get them thinking about it. Oh, and in the meantime, laugh about it as well. Um, that's a real talent. Um, I'm not going to get into the things I liked or didn't like about it. I will say this with, with the closure I could have done without this one personally. Uh, I'm a massive Dave Chappelle fan. Like there, I saw this the same day it came out. Like Kayla and I sat up and watched we had some laughs, but I also found myself wishing that he would get on to the next topic. I became very uh, run down with this um, this line of storytelling because I heard it before from him, right? And I felt like in this one, he was defending himself more than what he was. Um, oh, this was this was like this was. I think know, that's why it's called the closure. Closure. Yeah, and how he, he ends wanted, it, and he says, yeah. "I'm done." This oh is- yeah. Oh, hundred percent. So yeah. he had an agenda here. Yeah. And I felt like he could have done this on a podcast. He could have done this, but then he wouldn't a- get paid that Netflix money. Well, I mean, and he Dave signed did, a deal. He signed a deal to do three shows, right? Because, yeah, yeah. like, so when he, you say when you say that I don't, I don't, I think I could have done without it. I personally, when I was watching it, I think Dave Chappelle could yeah. have done without it, but he had three shows. Yeah, and so he decided to just take that topic and do, yeah, three shows. Yeah, I'm not saying that the show sucked. Uh, yeah, by no, any yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Dave Chappelle. I can listen to this guy talk about fucking anything. Um, but I will say, as a big Dave Chappelle fan, I became very tired of his of his jokes about the the trans community and 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 the stuff. It's like, dude, you know, you're it's it's like you're almost asking for this again. Um, I understand, like, you know, I get what you're doing, uh, but like, you know, of course there were some laughs in there. I'm I'm not going to sit here and admit, and say I didn't laugh. Um, but there were some things where I was like, uh, you know, you know, I thought, I thought, I, yeah. And that, that's all I'll say about it. Um, you know, because I, I don't want to get fucking mixed up in this fucking shit and fucking, yeah, I'm not here to hurt anybody's feelings or anything like that. You know, it's just like, you got to fucking walk on eggshells with every goddamn thing you say these days. Um, you know, you can't even. You know, you you know where I'm going with this, right? So well, like, that, and that's me, and that's why yeah. Dave is one of the few people that can the, that and, can and do why it, right? and why it's kind of he important can. that Dave is still capable of doing that because they're like maybe him and maybe Bill Burr and perhaps some people might argue Cat Williams are like three people that can still get away with saying damn near anything and because of who they are, I don't even think they Bill can, Burr can. I I I don't think Cat Williams can. I actually think Dave Chappelle. He's and at the maybe, top for and sure. Maybe, and maybe Eddie Murphy are like the two uh, comedians. And I guess Joe Rogan to an extent because he's so influential, right? That like he can get away with this stuff. <laughs> and he has uh, said some and shit. And he does, right? And <laughs> yeah. he does like on a regular basis, right? 
Uh, because once again, Joe Rogan is very opinionated as well, right? Whether you whether you, you agree with him or you don't, right? Um, and he's a comedian. Um, but Joe will just tell you these things without a joke, right? He'll just fucking he'll tell you how he feels, right? Um, yeah. And some people don't like that, and others do. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, hey, it was a special. Um, I I could have done without it. I would have preferred, you know, it was like an hour long, and I think probably 30 35 minutes of it was quite literally this subject and i was already kind of i had already gotten you know i already heard what he's had to say before and i felt like we were hearing sort of the same jokes but told a little bit differently and a little bit more up to date um with some of his experiences and i'm not saying it was an awful special by any means it's the same thing uh, where he did a special um, after um, or, or did a comedy thing after George Floyd uh, was murdered. Um, you know, he basically did social commentary on that, too. And and and, you know, he was in a lot of pain and you can you can hear it. Um, you know, it was another special I could have done without because I just felt like. That one was for that, that one was for Dave doing Dave though. Like yeah, that wasn't yeah. that wasn't Netflix paying Dave to Netflix do a thing. No, no, yeah. that was Dave Chappelle. That was just doing Dave, Dave doing Chappelle, Dave. Yeah. Which, which I feel like he this is what he should have said this without Netflix. Like he this is like a, a bit that I don't really think took him a whole lot of time to construct. You know, I felt like Dave went on stage and just you know, had some obviously some things that he wanted to say and some punchlines that he wanted to do, and he did. But I felt like you know that that I could have done without this one. Um, I'm not saying I fully agree with one side and I fully agree with another side, but I also do kind of see where a group may go. When are you gonna stop? Like you know, why are you still doing this? Like didn't you just do this on your last one? Why are you continuing to do it? And that's where it starts to feel like maybe a little bit of punching down where it's just like, dude, like how, like, I know you're defending yourself here, but like, we'll see. I mean, obviously he said it's a closure and he's done. So hopefully he's actually done because if he comes out with another one and he does this again, I'm actually just not going to support it because as a viewer, I'm just like, dude, I've heard this already. You know what I mean? Like I've seen this bit now a couple of times. So let's move on to some other yeah. topics. Like, you know, give yeah. me this, give me, give me something else that's controversial and, and, and hit me with that. Right. I'm over this sort of thing. Yeah. That's my I, honest uh, opinion on, on this special. Yeah. I, I agree that I, and I think, you knowing Dave, I'd be shocked if he went back on what he said at the end of it and went on to did yeah, more. Yeah. I think yeah, he's yeah. truly well he's and done, done yeah. uh, with it. And, uh, and so, yeah, I think, I think almost if it wasn't for the fact that it was like a signed thing with Netflix, I think that this would have been a 30 minute special instead of an hour and a half or whatever the fuck. Yeah. Uh, there was a lot of filler there yeah. and, and there were times where I was watching it where I thought that he was even, uh, pointing out that he knew some of what he was saying was filler. Yeah. And he was kind of breaking fourth wall about it in a, yeah. in a few places, yeah. but you know but he was I beholden agree, to the. Yeah. I do agree with one of your points where you said uh, a lot of people looked at at surface, right? Yeah, there yeah. was a lot in there. Doesn't yeah. mean just because you look deeper, you're going to agree with it. But no. I, you know, not everybody's going to agree with it. Yeah, he was telling a story. He was making a point. Um, whether or not you agree with it, that is on an, on the individual. 
but I do see where both sides come from. I truly do. And I'm not, I, I'm not saying that to, to stay down the middle. I do see where both sides are. And I do believe that comedy should be comedy. And, and there is nobody or any group or anything that is safe from comedy because he has blasted, you know, Everyone. every community you can fucking think of, bro. He has blasted everybody. It's not like he is strictly picking on it, but I feel like he has been sitting in one dome a little bit too fucking long, which is starting to feel like he's got an even, you know, that he's really... Well, if that, if that last you know, story is any indication, I think some of it, other than being beholden to the three special thing and the times and all that stuff, I think he's got a horse in the game from a personal perspective that he probably feels. Course, and I think yeah. that I think that, that has gone a long way to, 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 to contributing to why he's sat on this for so long. And um, whether it was by design or otherwise... You know, he held on to that story that he had at the end of this special until the very last minute to give that story that that out. And part of me, I can't, I don't know because I don't know Dave well enough because it's hard to get a read on comedians in this regard. But it was uh, to me, it sort of felt like one of two things. One, it was a defense of Dave Chappelle for sure. It was Dave defending J- Dave. And on the other hand, uh, I felt like it was, especially if he's somebody, if somebody is the type of individual to walk away from $50 million and go back, back to fucking Africa for as long as he did, whatever, I feel like he's somebody who would also, and, and this is what I felt when I watched him tell this story, he didn't want to have to tell this story. Because when you tell the story, then it really looks like you're, you're, it's like saying, I can't be racist because I got black friends. Yeah. And I don't think he necessarily wanted to, to tell the story, but it's his, it really and truly to him might feel like not only is it, is it, uh, is it something that he's partially using in defense of himself, but also it's the best example because it's part of their community as well of a bridge between him and the community in which he's he's at odds with or it's not even the whole community it's a portion of the community so course, between yeah. him and a portion of that community there's always going to be a yes. pockets of every dude i i'm going to just be honest i can't, i'm black right so like i have yeah, yeah, yeah. i have family members that are pretty fucking hardcore like like you know like Black Pretty Panther. Fucking, like fucking hardcore, you know, uh, some, some the things white that folks like, are holding us down. The, the, those, right. Yeah. Like I, I know, I know, I, I know family and extended family that are very, very like that. And there's always going to be pockets of groups and pockets of things that just take things to an absolute extreme or, um, there is no breaking there, you know, and a lot of that comes from personal, uh, deep seated events and things that have, that has affected individuals. And a lot of the time, you know, you need to be educated or, or, or whatnot, right? Like, um, it's, it it's can be hard a, to break a cycle like very, that. It's very, very tough. And especially when those individuals only really surround themselves with those type of individuals. And so it's a confirmation bias all the time and it's hard to get a different perspective and think um, about that is that most of them are 
are probably on the older side of the spectrum, oh, yeah. right? Oh, they definitely so, are. Yeah. So think about that. When you're talking about surrounding yourself with people that have its confirmation bias, think about social media for young people now in some of the movements that we've been seeing and, and just how exacerbated confirmation bias can become. And nobody is safe from it. Everyone has their own social media silo and how much of a, of a, of a self-fulfilling fucking circle that can all be when you can, you have the power to block people and, and choose not to, to interact with them or have discourse with them because you don't want to, because it's uncomfortable or you just don't feel like you're going to get through to them. And so you just block them. And then you get to a point where it's reductive to the point where you're only seeing that one side, you're not seeing anything else. Can you and do? and yeah, so like when people ask me like, why do you constantly get in like fucking long conversations and arguments with people on Twitter? Just block and fucking remove them and 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 fuck them. And there's you know there's merit to that in that you know it does. Well, I do. It add, yeah, like it adds <laughs> it can it obviously adds to the stress in my day. But on yeah. the other hand, I try to like I don't I I I've blocked. I don't even know if I've blocked anyone on Twitter before. Maybe like one person or two people in the eight years I've been on the platform. And I do it specifically because I'm trying to, my best as a person, as best as I can anyway, to not put myself intentionally in too deep of a silo. I still want to see, even if it annoys me, I see it on my time, I'm like, fuck! You know, I still, I, I want to have, I'd rather look at it and go, fuck! Than look down and just see shit that I'm like, oh, yeah, me! Um, so it just, I just, just, I just fucking <laughs> block stupid man. I, and it's, and yeah. you know what, like at the end of the day, if it's, if it's going to make me sit on Twitter for an hour and fucking fight with somebody, I got better things to do with my, with my, and like, and like Dave said, Twitter is not a real place. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Like if I, if, if I have a disagreement with you, like obviously, you know, yeah, that's different, it's different, right? It's yeah, different. Yeah. But if I'm dealing with some fucking troll on the internet, man, fuck you, dude, just go fuck yourself, man. <laughs> You know, I'm not, I ain't not wasting my goddamn time. And I think oh. people should do that with Dave Chappelle as well. If they don't like his stuff, they should just not watch it. Um, that but, would if help. You're not, but if you're not going to not watch it, you don't probably, talk on it. You probably shouldn't <laughs> talk on it. You know what I mean? Probably not. Yeah. Uh, and now it's time for uh, tech support. Fuck. I thought we were, we were, no, we're, we're, we're just going to, we're just going to grab a, we're Holy just going to grab shit. a couple small ones here. Cause we, we had a couple of lengthy uh, topics today. Uh, Dan Jim is back, Mr. Black, with some more asking for top threes. What's your top three PS1 games this time? Final Fantasy VII comes in at number uno. Mm. Um, oh, boy. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. There's, it gets difficult. I, I am going <laughs> to go with NHL 2000. Mmm. Crazy. Might be the first sports title I've ever... I'm pretty sure it's NHL 2000 on the PS1. I'm almost certain. NHL... Oh, did you watch Squid Game uh, yet? Or are you not... Yet. No, okay, no, okay. No. So we'll talk about that when you're done watching that. Um... Yeah, NHL 2000. Played so much of that. Um... So I'm gonna go with that one. Uh... And that's not my number two. I would put that on the lower end of the of the list. And then number three. Oh man. And you guys put me on the spot here. Um I would have said Resident Evil, but I, I really enjoyed that. I played that on the N64 when I first played it. Um 
man, it's so long ago since I've played PS1 games. I'm trying to think of, of replayable games that I played a fuck ton of. You know, I think I'm actually going to go with Crash Bandicoot. Good choice. Yeah, because I I really, really enjoyed Crash Bandicoot a lot when I was younger. Would that be my favorite now? No, but as a kid, it's a good time. Uh... Mm. Oh, you know what? Let me get rid let me get rid of NHL, man. I feel like I can't put a sports game up there. I'm going with Dino Crisis. Oh, shit, there's so many Because days. you know what? I replayed Dino Crisis like a year ago. And the shit still holds, man. It's like a it's like a Resident Evil game. Shit is still good. There's not, there's not a lot like I, there's a lot of PS1 games I like a lot, but there's not a lot that I've played multiple times. So mm. like I mean, where's Final Fantasy Seven? You must be Final Fantasy Eight's got to be on there. Final right? Fantasy Eight is there for me because of, of between seven, eight, nine, eight was my favorite. So it's Final Fantasy Eight, um, Legend of Dragoon. Oh shit! I forgot about that one. That's a good one. Um, man, most of my PS One experience JRPGs, have been RPGs, JRPGs, and uh, games like Dino Crisis, Resident yeah. Evil, Parasite you know, Alone Eve, in the Dark, Parasite Eve, um, even even um um. um uh, the effect game, I got it down there. Came out one and two. Oh, uh, uh, the cartoony type. Uh, uh, yeah, I know which one you're talking about. I, I can't think of the name of it off the top of my head, but I know what you're talking about. Um, somebody will say it in chat. Yeah, I guess I like, love all those games. Like if all I had to games. like if I had to reduce it down, honestly, I'm probably gonna yeah, I'd probably say Resident Evil Director's Cut. Fear Effect, there it is. Fear Effect. Uh, Resident Evil Director's Cut, Legend of Dragoon, Final Fantasy VIII. would probably mm. be like my three in any fucking order. But then there's so many, like Galarian's, um, fucking uh, Parasite Eve, um, uh, the Dino Crisis games, um, Alone in the Dark, uh, fucking... Uh, fucking Cool Borders! I play yeah, a shitload cool, of oh, cool, shit, borders. cool Borders. It's a good game. Tony Hawk. Uh, Tony Hawk, although that really came to its own at like uh, on the N sixty four, that was like the yeah. the prime location for that. But yeah, I mean, there's there's a, a lot, but most of them were JRPGs for me, honestly. Yeah. So like yeah. the the holy trinity of PS one RPGs for me, JRPGs for me is is Final Fantasy VIII, Legend of Dragoon, Legend of Lagaya, are like my three uh, different properties. And then there's like really weird ones like. Um, uh, Azure Dreams is another game that uh, Brian and I played a lot that I really liked that was on the PS1. And then there's things like, oh, fuck, I mean, Jesus, Dragon Metal Ball Gear Solid, GT, you know, Metal Bout. Gear. Metal Gear. Uh, fucking Siphon Filter. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of good stuff, but yeah, I'll, I'll say, I'll say, uh, I'll say those three are probably, uh, the good primo. Text. Uh, d baseball hats, Bill Forward, Backward, or No Hat altogether? Uh, Forward. Depends on the application for me. So if I'm if I'm golfing or some shit, I can't wear a fucking hat. It drives me crazy. Um, I'm constantly feeling like I'm going to hit the bill of my hat, whether it's front or backwards, doesn't matter. My like, I feel like my club's going to hit my fucking hat somewhere. Um, if I'm 
outside going for a walk forward so I can like shield my eyes from the sun. Uh, but if I'm doing like a lot of work, like if I'm doing manual labor stuff, so uh, yard work or painting, especially painting specifically, it's backwards because I use the bill to protect my neck from the sun while I'm like painting whatever fucking house or or whatever that I'm doing. Because if you get your bill forward, you're just inevitably going to fucking run your shit into whatever you're painting and it's a pain in the ass. So just put that shit backwards, protect your neck. So it depends. But most of the time, it's it's either no hat or bill forward, I would say, for uh, for me. Um. Hmm. <laughs> Um, Logan, my dad and brother are visiting Halifax right now for a week. Any must-dos you would recommend for them? I think Burger Week is this week, so there's a couple places you could go for a decent burger this week, like uh, uh, Daryl's downtown on Queen Street uh, is probably the best burger in the city or close to it. Uh, but everyone puts on a burger uh, during Burger Week, lots of restaurants. Make sure you got your, make sure you got your, uh, get your, get your vaccination, uh, documentation ready for that, uh, which you would already have to get into the province in the first place. Um, and then, um, the, we've had, we got lucky. It's been late, but we had a couple of cold enough nights. Now the fall colors are starting to pop off. So, uh, you can go to Blomin and look off is a really nice spot in the fall where you can go up on top and you can see down over top of a large part of the valley uh and uh and that's just some really nice views there and that's not too far outside of the city that's not too far of a drive so uh something like that might be nice um and uh other than that most of the stuff that's really nice this time of year because of the, the time of year is outside the city so like a lot of your shit is going to be like sightseeing outside of the city so peggy's cove is is always uh, uh, an easy recommendation especially if you're not somebody that lives close to the water and you don't see the ocean uh peggy's cove is normally a relatively popular spot just don't stand on the black rocks like all the other idiots um and uh you know they're thinking about building a fucking like observation deck to try and like curtail people from wanting to go to the black rocks you know what man i just think let let natural let darwin win take its course right (laughs) I, i i'm never i'm never for people getting hurt but if there are signs all over the place that are telling you, and you know not, people have died and you there, know people have died and or seriously hurt themselves. Do not go on the fucking slippery ass black rocks. There are signs everywhere. Stop. Because then people have to friggin like. And there's you're... so much. There's so many places to be down there, and you Why don't get do you a better shot. Yes, like there's no, you're not getting a better photograph being that close to the fucking water. Like, oh my god, dude, stop the madness. Yeah, yeah. people. Well, a, a lot of it is people that don't live next to the ocean and they have no appreciation for how strong water is. It's they very don't strong. know. Water is the strongest force on this fucking planet. Full yeah. stop. Anything like you could. I mean, imagine this: if you see container ships and they're hundreds of meters long and they're carrying thousands of containers and they go out in the ocean and they get their shit pumped your tiny ass standing on rocks in a storm on peggy's cove next to the fucking ocean yeah and you're they're dead. still gonna do it you could have the world's greatest fucking observatory and people are still gonna go down there 
and they're still going to take their dumb fucking selfies and get swept away by the rocks and get all kinds of fucked up. That's what's going to happen. Don't do that if you go there. Uh, last one. Henry Chessmore, describe your favorite pizza. Man, what's with all the pizza questions, man? Oh, lots of pizza. Well, we know it, we know that by default it doesn't have pineapple on it unless it's free. Yeah. Uh, my favorite type of pizza. I mean, it's evolved. Uh, when I was young, pepperoni. I mean, it was just basic ass pepperoni. I didn't appreciate all of the finer ingredients that go into making a nice, enjoyable pizza. I was a basic bitch. I was a kid. I mean, if you're a kid, it's cheese or pepperoni. I always went with the pepperoni. Then I would say as I got older, I would go for the one that was the most filling. So just hungry all the time. So we're talking like <laughs> supreme meat lovers, like something that looked like it was you were shoveling ingredients in your mouth on, on a pizza slice. Um, so that was like my teen years into my early 20s. Now, now I enjoy a uh, pizza with chicken on it. So like barbecue chicken pizza, um, like a chicken parm pizza, spicy chicken pizza. Um, I just like me some little bits of chicken on there. Um, and I would say that's probably my number one. If I, if, if the person I was with didn't really care for that stuff, then I'm probably just going to be the works, you know, uh, I'm not picking anything off and I'm just going to, I'm just going to eat it. But I do love me a little bit of chicken on my pizza. Uh, By the way, I'll still eat all of the other ones. Yeah, there's no no discrimination. There's no discrimination on pizza. (laughs) If it's there, I'm going to eat it. Uh, my go, my, I, I'm the opposite. I haven't changed really. I, when I hit high school or like just out of high school, like first year university, I went, I moved from largely just pepperoni into the pizza that I've kept forever in a day. And it's mm-hmm. pepperoni, mushrooms, green pepper, bacon. Every, t- I'd eat the fuck out of that. Right every now. time. That's, Sounds it doesn't delicious. matter. Thick crust, thin crust, medium crust, stuffed crust. Doesn't matter. The toppings are those every time. And then uh, the secondary pizza that if I if I'm really feeling feeling like it, I don't want to fully shit myself, but I might be down for shit myself a little bit. Don't air pizza. Oh yeah, oh yeah. That that's like um, a don't air pizza. Whenever I have a pizza party, there's always at least one don't air pizza, one large don't air pizza. You don't in there. want like I can't eat like four pieces like I would normally, but give Hell me one piece. One of really slice. hot because you can't yeah. eat cold don't air pizza. It's terrible. No, no, you got to heat it up. Yeah, you got to heat it up. It's got to be one don't slice though. Just give me a cup of don't air sauce. Fucking slide that shit on there and take the bite. Yes, I fucks with that all day. Yes, um, and it's one of those things that not everybody fucks with it. So you just get one large, and the ones that enjoy it are fucking. They, when they open up the pizzas, they go, "Oh, don't air." Yeah, and, they, and, and they, <laughs> they just quickly go in and grab a slice. It's one of those, man. It is. It's a showstopper. And you know what? I'm gonna be the guy. But no, no tomato. Here's uh, a caveat: no tomato or onion on my donair pizza because the tomatoes t- are sliced and they get they get watery wet, and fucking wet. weird. Yeah, 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 yeah. It makes it makes it like uh, squishy and gross. Yeah, uh, I'm a no tomato guy. I I do fucks with the onions. Um, I have a confession. You know what I don't fuck with. And even if it's there, I would say there is a 20% chance that I grab some. That's low. 
twenty percent chance. And it, and the reason why it's twenty is because there's only a couple of places that I ever have had really good of this where I go, you know what? Let me grab a little bit of that. Mm. It's rare. Mm. It's rare. All right. You ready for it? <laughs> I'm, I'm, my body is ready. Garlic fingers. I don't really fucks with garlic fingers. There is only one or two times or two, one or two places where I go, you know what? Grab me a handful of that garlic finger because most garlic fingers that I have just taste like bad plain pizza dough with a little bit of fucking garlic brushed on top. But really good garlic fingers, fucking fantastic. Fan-fucking-tastic. The big fluffy. You know who makes decent garlic fingers is um, that fucking chain, the, the, the five-minute place, the hot and ready. Mm. They have like uh, they actually have pretty good fucking garlic sticks and garlic things like that where it's 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 nice. But most mom and pop uh, pizza places make dog shit garlic fingers. It's because they're buying them wholesale. They're not making the garlic fingers themselves, right? Mm. The garlic fingers are an afterthought. They're a side dish. Yeah, right. So they just buy the they go to the wholesaler in the city. And they buy garlic fingers en masse, and then they just, they pop the frozen-ass garlic fingers onto the pizza fucking tray. That ain't it. And it's bad. It's real bad. But, dude, I fucks with garlic fingers all day if it's good garlic fingers. I eat so many garlic fingers. I've been been known (laughs) that if a place got good garlic fingers, I'll order it, and then I, I make the mistake, I eat too many garlic fingers, and then I don't get to eat any pizza, because I just Mm. eat garlic. But just like Donair... Garlic fingers have to be hot. Yes. They have to be. Ha- have to. They they do not do well, just like Donair pizza, they do not do well cold. They have to be hot mm. enough that the cheese is still mm-hmm. stretching. Yep. The moment you pick a garlic finger up and that cheese isn't coming with you and you've got to like, like cardboard, you, and you gotta combat it. it with a knife. It's over. It's expired. It's done. It's expired. Feed them to the plebeians at four in the morning that are drunk. <laughs> the, uh, this, the, it's the anti-alcohol it. food at that point. Yeah, I ain't having it. So yeah, that's uh, some people live and die by the garlic fingers. I am not. I will gladly hold a space for an extra slice of pizza in my belly before mm. I dig into the garlic fingers unless they are fucking good garlic fingers. Then I'm in a little bit of trouble. <laughs> then I'm in a little bit of trouble. But don't fuck, don't fuck with garlic fingers either where you start doing weird shit like sprinkling bacon on it. Like, bacon goes on a lot of shit. Garlic fingers is not one of those places. I want my regular-ass garlic fingers. Just give I me don't g- need special. You know, what, you know what goes on garlic fingers? You know what the ingredients of garlic fingers are, Jeff? Garlic and fingers. It's the two things. <laughs> They're in garlic fingers. There's no bacon in that list. No. There's no, there's nothing. It's garlic and fingers. And you, you fucking, you mess that list up. You add a third item or a fourth. God help you a fifth. It's not garlic fingers. Now anymore. it's just now it's just pizza that just so happens to have garlic on it. <laughs> That's you got five toppings on your garlic fingers. That's called pizza. You're not you're not even eating garlic fingers anymore. What the fuck is wrong with you? Garlic fingers is garlic and fingers. Uh, it's like getting lettuce on your donair. Stop the madness. Stop. What All are right. you doing? No. Stop. Nobody stop. wants that. It's like wet and limp. Yes. Yeah, Nobody that. wants that shit. Stop it. Nobody wants your whiskey dick lettuce. Get no. that shit the fuck out of Get here. Get off. I'm eating a man's meal right now. All right? 
Get that <laughs> lettuce off this now. I ain't a rabbit. I'm here to eat lots of meat and get a lot of calories in my system and feel like shit in the morning. It's just to bring it back around to Dave Chappelle. It's like the skit where he talked about, uh, talked about grape juice. It's mm. like, what the fuck is juice? Mm. Give me that purple stuff. Give Sugar, purple. water, purple. Purple. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. it. That's it. Sugar, water, purple. That's, that's the it. title. That's, that's the, the title of the podcast, podcast. now. That's there it, it is. Man. That's it. Garlic and fingers. It's the two fucking ingredients. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll be back next week for another technical offer. Thank you for stopping by. Hopefully you uh, enjoyed yourselves. Share this with somebody if you think it's a podcast they might enjoy. Uh, hit us up on uh, iTunes or whatever and uh, and give us a rating if uh, if they allow you to do that these days. God only knows. Patreon.com slash TV to financially support the podcast and keep this bad boy going for as long as humanly possible. Until next week, thank you once again for stopping by. Stay safe out there. And until next time, peace. Peace.